Fantasy Tavern this month. And I'll do a little reveal of the costume again in case you want to guess who it is before I let you know. This is a really special first costume for all the trolls and the haters online. And if you've been watching She-Hulk Attorney at Law, you may recognize the costume. I made a pact with a demon that I cannot discuss. Or else he said he would reap my soul and the souls of those I love. Which is so dramatic. And I hate drama. Fancy. <laughs> okay, so... If you haven't already guessed, I am going to be playing the role of Madison from She-Hulk Attorney at Law this evening. That's two N's, one Y, but it's not where you think. And I am here with a drink in hand, as usual, in keeping with the costume. I am enjoying a nice basic bitch Cosmo this evening. Very tasty. Mm. Pretty easy to make. I'm gonna double check the ingredients and then quiz myself to make sure I got them right. Test my bartending skills here. Uh, so I believe that a Cosmopolitan is cranberry juice, Cointreau, it might be triple sec. I don't know if those are those two things are the same thing. Um, lime juice and vodka. Uh, I'm using absolute vodka for this drink today. And um, let's see if I was right. I don't make them very often. I don't really make very many drinks these days. As some of you may know, I'm currently working part-time uh, and I work at a restaurant, like kind of like a sports bar. But I don't really work bar at all, ever. So I don't really make a lot of drinks these days, so we'll, we'll double check if I was right. Let's see. It says here, that's not, that's not what I clicked on. Ridiculous. What is it made of? Uh, it was triple sec. Cranberry juice, vodka, lime juice, and triple shrek. Shrek? Shrek? Triple shrek. Actually, you put three shreks in it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Lily's calling three triple shrek from now on. And uh, you shake it in a martini shaker. Uh, you serve it in a chilled martini glass with no ice and a lime garnish. So um, I'm not going to look up if Cointreau or Triple Sec are the same thing right now because I really don't care that much. Um, I'm just going to enjoy my beverage and we'll continue with today's episode. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And today's snack of the day, in keeping with the post-party hangover vibe of the Madison and Wongers scenes, we have some leftover pizza. So I'm going to give a shout out to somebody before we get started because they made a comment to me yesterday and I felt like really, really shitty that I did not name drop them. So I'm going to do it now. Um, so my good friend Andrew Fraser Doyle, who I have not spoken to in really long time, like years and years and years, uh, hit me up 
and we hung out a couple times recently. So, uh, they're really, really awesome. I, I, it was, I, I love when you get to hang out with friends after a really long time. It's like no time has passed and it's, it's kind of like you just pick up where you left off and everything just seems so natural and great. So I just wanted to once again, um, say thank you to Andrew for, um, coming over and helping me out with getting all the costume stuff for today's podcast, um, offering to help out whenever they're able to, which has been really, really sweet. And just, you know, reminding me what, um, you know, being social and like not just going to work and coming home and going to work again, <laughs> feels like. And I don't really hang out with too many people outside of working, um, besides my roommate. So, uh, it's nice to be have this free time again and reconnect with some old friends. So thanks again. And, um, the reason that I'm bringing up Andrew is because they mentioned to me last week that I had brought up something that they, we were talking about in the previous episode of the podcast and they knew it was about them. (laughs) And I was trying to be like, I'm not really sure if like I was going to bring it up at the time to like directly say that it was them. But, uh, anyway, um, hopefully they're going to be appearing in a future episode of the podcast. So my friend, um, as I mentioned online, some of you may not know, we have a couple special guests that are coming up in the next couple weeks for podcast episodes. We have my friend Sarah Bezat, who, uh, I was in Footloose the Musical with here in Oakville. This was a show that we did right before the pandemic happened. I literally like a week a week before we did our show. And then two days after the two or three days after the show wrapped, we went into lockdown. So, um, I also haven't seen Sarah in a while. Sarah helped me actually get a job at, uh, somewhere here in Oakville as well. And we worked together, I guess, technically, but not that closely together, um, for a little while in Oakville here, but, uh, we don't really hang out. Um, Sarah is also starting a podcast of their own very soon, which is going to be focused on Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing games, and that sort of thing. So once the official name and the links and everything are announced, I'm hoping to have that all sorted out by this Friday. She'll, she'll talk a little bit more about that, but I'm really excited for that episode. Uh, we'll be doing a Dungeons and Dragons focused episode about the satanic panic and the moral panic of the... 1980s, and uh, I guess sort of leading into today because there are a few other examples of, um, you know, sort of where the occult and, um, you know, sort of parental and religious groups that clash a lot with um, pop culture things that take elements from satanic and the occult uh, references. So I'll be doing an episode about that next week. Um, well, I guess technically this week now. Um, I'm t- I, I said I was going to film this yesterday, but I'm actually filming it today on Monday because uh, just getting all the costumes logistics together by the time I got home and realized how much it was going to do take to put the costume together um, and then start recording, I just decided to do it today. So hopefully I can wrap it, keep it within a, like about a two-hour window, and then I'll have it posted by tonight so you guys can enjoy uh, both the audio and the video of today's podcast. And I'm going to try and be a little bit more on top of having a exact day and time to post so that you guys know when to expect those episodes to drop. 
Um, I haven't been the greatest at being on top of it lately, but I, I am working on it. So if that has been a concern, just know that I, that is something that hopefully will improve in the future. And then after next week, Andrew will be here to be uh, to do our witch episode of the podcast, which I'm very excited about. So that will be partly um, recent pop culture things, but we'll be doing kind of an all the way back from the beginning of kind of the existence of the concept of pop culture and we'll be going into depth about um, the archetype of the witch and how that has been portrayed through media and entertainment over like about like 20th 21st century so that sounds very exciting as you know I'm very witchy type person and I really like to talk about those sorts of things and sort of how they meet together in sort of mythology and lore what's real what's not real what sort of people feed into in terms of like the stereotypes and characteristics and all that stuff. And um, as I mentioned, I have strongly suggested that our co the co-hosts come in costumes. So I'm really hoping that we'll have some really cool duo costumes next week and we'll be available on so short clips will be available on YouTube and Patreon will have the full videos for you guys. If you want to go back and check out the actual video footage. So very exciting things happening this month. Halloween, as for most of you, I'm sure, is uh, one of my favorite ones because it means I get to dress up. Um, I'm a theater kid and I'm a Leo and I love to take on different personas and I love to show off and, and dress up and have fun. So I'm really looking forward to giving you guys some primo content this month uh, and a little bit something, something, something completely different, if, if you will. So looking forward to that. I don't know why I just did. I feel like I feel like right now I'm in like some bad like my bad bitch mode. I'm I feel like I have long nails, but I don't. I feel like I just want to keep doing this and keep doing this to my hair, my fake hair with a wig. Um, yeah, yeah. Madison Madison has some melanin. Didn't know if you knew that. So we're just trying to keep this fresh new bundle looking slick, serving it to the people. Um, but yeah, and we have a sign. I actually prepared the sign in advance this week based on the She-Hulk quote from my girl Madison here. This month promises to be spooky, but in a fun way. So I hope you will all climb on board. I hope you're all along for a very fantastic voyage. So we'll be putting our sign right over here. Um, I guess I technically do have a co-host today. Um, his name is Jeff. <laughs> um, if you have been watching the episodes, apparently this demon that Madison signs her pact with is named Jeff. Um, random. But yeah, uh, this, this happens to be a inflatable goat that came in a goat yoga game that I found at the thrift store. So basically it's a party game and if you have ever heard about goat yoga it's when you let baby goats climb on top of you while you hold different yoga positions basically it's if you look it up I'll just google goat yoga and you'll understand what I mean so the game essentially is you're supposed to use this in place of a real goat and see how many yoga poses you can do while balancing this goat on your body without letting it fall off basically so I feel like this was a very um, serendipitous costume since I just so happened to have this and 
the show just came out. I feel like it was kind of just speaking to me. So this is my little demon buddy that is going to be hosting with me today. Keeping me on track, keeping me on time. We've made a little deal. I won't go into into the specifics because uh as with another contract that I recently signed, uh non-disclosure. <laughs> so anyway, um let's get started with today's episode. And I do have a lot of suggestions for this month for Halloween treats. This is going to be another hot list episode. I hope you're ready. Um, I am also drinking just normal tea. I don't just have alcohol today. I think that I actually have like the the um, the trifecta of beverages today. It's sort of become a a running joke online lately that um, if you are like truly neurodivergent or queer, you have to have at least three beverages at all times, and one of them's like one's a hot drink, one's a cold drink, and one's a smoothie or something like that. So. We've got water, we've got tea, and in place of a smoothie, we have alcohol because, because reasons. Mm. I feel very like, it's giving like Sarah Jessica Parker, but like the extra baddie version, or it's giving like Kardashian, but like, like Courtney, like the cool one, kind of. I'm kind of trying, it's sort of giving that sort of uh, energy a little bit. And the orange pico is really just to help keep me awake right now because, um, as I mentioned, uh, yesterday was a big day of running around getting costume things. And then instead of actually doing work, um, we got drunk and ordered pizza and watched a movie. Uh, it was a really funny movie, movie actually. If you've uh, seen the show Kath and Kim, uh, we watched the Kath and Kim Dorella movie, which was fucking hilarious. Uh, highly recommend you watch it. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, I actually made it through a, a whole movie with a friend and uh, didn't fall asleep, so that was fun. And uh, looking forward to many more hangouts and many more costumes to come. Next week's, uh, I'm kind of trying to ramp up the elaborate nature of the costumes. This was actually a pretty simple one. Um, it's just like a cocktail dress, a wig, some shoes. And honestly, when I, when I think about costumes, um, it's very much detail oriented. Otherwise, if you don't try and get exactly the same look and, and focus on accessories and details, a lot of times people... And I've done this in the past with certain costumes because I think people are going to get who it is. Just, But knowing that people don't watch the same things I watch or listen to the same things I listen to. But if you try and get details, it helps a lot. So that way you don't kind of just turn into, as I mentioned, like, oh, you're dressed up like one of the Kardashians or like something like that. So Halloween, costumes and cosplay are very important to me, um, but I also do them on budget a lot of the time. So the more on budget you are, I think, the more you kind of, in my opinion, have to pare down your look and really focus on key details that are going to stand out. Um, 
So in this case, constantly having a drink in your hand and referencing the show in some way that's going to tie it back to the costume so that people actually get it. Um, not everyone takes this seriously, but um, I think there's a big expectation lately to really step the game up, step the pussy up when it comes to the costumes and the cosplays. So um, I wanted, I didn't want to disappoint. So um, I hope that I hope that you all enjoyed the the entrance, and I do, um, I will admit that I was supposed to be filming this a lot earlier than I started, but um, in addition to getting, you know, hanging out with people yesterday and uh, procrastinating, uh, I also procrastinated for about an hour making TikToks of me in costume uh, to basically, uh, for posterity, and to kind of help put on social media to, um, get attention towards the podcast and stuff like that. So uh, in the meantime, before everything's posted, if you want to also check out uh, any social media stuff, um, again, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, there's Linktree information available on my social media. Uh, if you just go to Linktree slash Fantasy Tavern Podcast, you should be able to find information for the podcast uh, including all the links for everywhere that you can listen to and watch. And there are also some options for tips if you are feeling generous. Um, it is the season of giving coming up very soon, uh, and any donations are much appreciated, especially since I am currently working full-time, uh, sorry, working part-time looking for a full-time job. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily hurting for money right now, but because of, you know, just the time and effort I put into the podcast, um, it is something that I'm doing for fun, but any, you know, little appreciation, token of gratitude is all, I'm not going to, obviously, not going to be mad at it. So just letting you know again, Linktree slash Fantasy Tavern Podcast, um, information will be available on YouTube, uh, as well as all the other social media and um, websites that I mentioned. So Facebook, um, Patreon, we're on Amazon now, we're on Spotify. I'm on um, Google, and um, as things grow and grow, I might, you know, change things up and add more links or change them up to different links depending on the popularity and, and number of views. So, lots of places to watch the show. So you got no excuse to miss an episode. Excuse me. Oh my god, I'm already getting into character here, hiccuping and ugh, getting all sweaty. Madison does not get sweaty. Okay, we're gonna try and... I'm, I am being responsible with my beverage. I, I kind of only had the one so far. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. But we'll, we'll try to... I'll try to keep it reined in. So let's get started on our list today. And before we do that, I am gonna take these off. Because I just realized I'm still wearing the heels. So we're going to take those off right now. Um, by the way, shout out Oakville Thrifting. If you ever want to get some like quality fucking thrifting in, come to Oakville. There's a lot of rich people here. And they get rid of a lot of really nice shit. I got these almost like not even worn. I'm just going to like this scuff marks on the bottom of the shoe now. That's for That's for me. So when I actually put these on, they were almost perfect. They fit me exactly right. 
and it's a brand called Mia. I'm not really sure if it's expensive or not. I didn't look it up, but 15 bucks for these, almost brand new. They're, the heel's nice and chunky, so it's a little bit more trendy and a lot more comfortable to stand in, plus it has the built-in platform. Um, and technically it's uh, all man-made, so it's not even real leather, so for the vegans out there. Um, but yeah, um, Oakville, and technically, yeah, I guess technically this would still be within Oakville. So there's two value villages in Oakville that I know of, um, one near the Oakville-Mississauga border in North Oakville, and one by the train station. There's also... Um, Goodwills and uh, Salvation Army and everything like that if you want to check those out. Um, I'd highly recommend. Uh, the wig is from Party City. And uh, everything else I got is from the thrift store or from stuff that I already had at home. So the martini glass came in a set of four. And it's got these really cute like little polka dots on it. Subtle little polka dot design. Um, so now I have a martini glass set that I got for like $5, $6. Uh, this dress is Bebe. Um, it is not closed in the back. Uh, as you can see, I had to hide it with the wig because um, it will not close. Which I kind of knew when I bought it because it's an extra small. So I kind of just ran a piece of string in between the, um, the hanger straps and um, where the kind of the clasps are. And then basically that plus keep putting the hair over top of it is kind of camouflaging the openness of it. And then if I want to wear it again at some point this month, I'll, I'll, I'll take it out or something as much and maybe like add a little extra panel to kind of hide it in the back. But honestly, the wig's doing a pretty good job of hiding it. So I'm not like super concerned. And even though it's strapless, it's staying up pretty well. Um, yeah, I'm very, very pleased with how this turned out. It was honestly super simple. To put together and thankfully the makeup wasn't uh, incredibly elaborate and um, really just in terms of like the character it's it's more about the mannerisms and um, kind of just keeping that that mindset of like you know kind of little bit of bimbo-y party girl um, but like very like with a cool sort of edge to it and uh, basically um, Madison has become kind of a little bit of a low-key fan favorite, uh, if you are uh, watching the She-Hulk Attorney at Law show. Uh, really hope that they keep bringing her back and that we get to see the character progression there. Um, very interested to see where they go with that. So, we're not here to talk about She-Hulk, though, even though there are, there, it was, that was kind of part of my, like, spooky horror adjacent reference. Um, I also just wanted an excuse to dress up like Madison because she is the moment. She is a vibe. She is everything. I, I keep doing this. She invokes me to do the yassification hands um, involuntarily. So you know that's some powerful shit. And um, I feel hot as fuck right now, honestly. I feel like I could fucking, like, anyway. But yeah. I'm going to stop uh, feeling my fucking oats here for two seconds and actually do this podcast. So we're going to start with movies and uh, I'm just take a bite of my pizza. Sorry. 
It's really hard to eat this with a wig on. I'm getting hair in my mouth. Uh, let's do some pizza ASMR for everybody. I know. I know you all want to hear it. Ah. Mmm. 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 It tastes so good. Mmm. It pairs great with um, reruns of The Sopranos. <laughs> Which is also a show that I started getting back into because of the She-Hulk attorney at law reference to The Sopranos. Um, as you know, I'm full method. So, <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm sensitive about my shit. So, um, basically... In, in keeping with the with the real commitment that I bring to every role, no matter how small, <laughs> fucking, um, I decided to really immerse myself in this Madison experience and started rewatching The Sopranos. Um, it's 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 not a bad show. Like I remember it being on and sort of watching it, but because I was pretty young and it was on a network that. We, I didn't really get to watch a lot. Um, I, I obviously know about it, but only kind of in bits of piece, bits and pieces. So going back and rewatching it now is very interesting. So um, it's just very strange of like her like weirdly specific special interest show is The Sopranos, and that she like knows every single episode and then proceeds to spoil the episodes for Wong who is also trying to catch up on past episodes. So, uh, we'll have to do an episode incorporating The Sopranos at some point. It is a pretty pretty iconic show. Uh, but that's, again, if you are watching some of the videos later, that is where The Sopranos reference comes from. Uh, so, let's get started with our movies. And Halloween horror movies um, we'll be dealing with mostly... Um, there's only going to be a few on the list. Um, most of the movies that are available this time around are older movies. So if, for this particular episode, I'm only going to be focusing on stuff that's come out this year. So we're doing like the Halloween Hot List 2022. A few hits here and there. We'll focus mostly on movies and television, but we'll also talk a little bit about music and a little bit about video games. Um... Mostly because I think there's just more uh, accessible stuff in terms of TV and movies with when it comes to Halloween. So, obviously we're not going to have a conversation about Halloween without talking about Halloween, the franchise. So, as a lot of you may know, there is a new Halloween movie coming out. And uh, it's dropping October 14th. Halloween ends. Uh, of course, bringing back the fantastic Jamie Lee Curtis to reprise her role. And uh, this is going to be the 13th film, I think. Let me double check here. So in the Halloween franchise, the Halloween franchise started in the 80s. And as far as I know, all but one movie features Michael Myers as the lead character. There's one movie in the franchise that doesn't feature him. And 
uh, actually, it started in the late 70s. The first Halloween movie was 1978. Uh, so then, in order, we've got Halloween 2. Uh, Halloween, th uh, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is the one that I was talking about that's sort of like the kind of offshoot partial canon Halloween movie. Uh, there's then there's Halloween 4 Return of Michael Myers. Uh, Halloween 5 Revenge of Michael Myers. Um, let's see which one's the next one. Halloween 6 The Curse of Michael Myers. Halloween H2O 20 Years Later. Um, Halloween Resurrection, Halloween, just Halloween again, and, uh, Halloween Kills. Um, there's also a Rob Zombie remake, I believe, from, it says here, from 2007. Um, and, let's see here. Yeah, because Rob Zombie is involved in the franchise, but... For the most part, I believe all, all of the movies were John Carpenter. And so this recent installation, I'll give you a little breakdown of the plot. So um, Jamie Lee Curtis has been doing some social media posting and stuff like that for the new movie that's coming out. Looks amazing. And uh, let's just get a little synopsis here. So it's saying here, four years after her last encounter. Um, why, did it, why did it do that? I'm so... Uh, this phone sometimes. Uh, I need to get a new phone, by the way. Another reason why... Oh, buddy. Oh, it's a baby Cato. I'm going to go open the door for Bobos. One second, guys. Cat, what are you doing? Uh, Come here, bud. Come here. Come in here, are you? Ah, Phobos is just prowling around, annoying everybody as usual. Hi, hi, friend. How are you? Hey, friend. Hey, mister. You might see his little floofy tail pass by. I might pick him up and show you guys what he's up to, but he was, he was doing his little meow outside, so I let him in. Hey, are you going to help me with the podcast today, bud? Oh, look who it is. Hi, Phobos. Hey. You know I'm going to get you a costume, right? Oh, <laughs> he didn't like that. He doesn't want a costume. Careful with that tail. Thank you. Aw. He was sleeping on my bed for uh, quite a while, and now he's kind of out and about. Now that people are home and doing stuff, he wants attention. Just like his mummy. Uh, so let me go back to the synopsis of the newest movie. Uh, so Halloween ends. Four years after her last encounter with masked killer Michael Myers, Laurie Strode is living with her granddaughter and trying to finish her memoir. Myers hasn't been seen since, and Laurie finally decides to liberate herself from rage and fear and embrace life. However, when a young man stands accused of murdering a boy that he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that forces Laurie to confront the evil she cannot control. In a world where Michael Myers still exists. He's trying to do like the movie announcer voice. So it sounds like this is going to be the final installment, although people always say that, but you never know. 
people people say it's going to be the final installment and they're the last of the movies all the time. So we'll see if that's actually the case. But from the sounds of it, this this is going to be the last movie in the franchise. So promises to be pretty exciting. After 45 years, 45 years of the Halloween franchise. <coughs> and this is also reminding me that my costume next week may require the purchase of a Michael Myers mask. I'm not sure if I'm going to commit that much to the role or not, because the costume doesn't necessarily require it. Uh, but that's to give you a little bit of a hint about who I'm going to be next week. So, <coughs> it's pretty... You can't really have a conversation about Halloween movies without talking about Halloween. And it just so happens that there is a new movie that's coming out uh, on the 14th. So... It will be in theaters. Um, it's going to also premiere uh, online. It's going to stream online. So you will be able to find it both online and in theaters. So just a nice little fun... Uh, it looks like there might be some some uh, like some pre-release showtimes as well. Because um, there, there, there are some times posted for Thursday the 13th. Which, if you're going to see a Halloween movie, obviously, most people want to... If, if you're really into Halloween movies, you probably want to go see it on the 13th. In keeping with the, the creepy, spooky, superstitious type vibe of Halloween. So, that's a really exciting one, obviously. And a classic. Kind of sad the franchise is ending. But, you know, I really... I think when franchises have kind of beaten themselves to death, I think it's it's only right to end them on a good note. Um, as much as it might make money for you, it, 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 and also you want to avoid running the risk of having to like recast all of your prime characters and, you know, jumping the shark, so to speak, on your own franchise. So I probably for the best that it's coming to an end, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, she's uh, embodied the role for so long. She's done an amazing job. And I think that um, it's probably her input that's kind of um, motivating that choice. And sometimes I think it's, it's preferable to let, um, different franchises to not prolong them just to try and make a buck and to, you know, maintain some kind of quality because what happens is like, it's already kind of a cheesy thing anyway, that it's going to eventually like turn into, it's not even scary anymore. It's just like, you're putting a movie out to put a movie out. You want to have, uh, which I put in one of the, one of the quotes from, uh, from Madison from She-Hulk, where it's like, uh, first it was scary, then fun, then spooky, but in a fun way. Uh, and then, uh, when they're in court, the, the, uh, one of the attorneys is like, well, that's the, the sweet spot for magic, in my opinion, a perfect mix of scary and fun. And I think that that's what you want a horror movie to be. I think that that's actually what I kind of look for. You want to have, for the most part, a movie that's going to really take it over the top in terms of, you know, scaring the shit out of you, but to break it up with just enough camp and humor that to remind you that it's it's not real and that it's to kind of not take it as seriously. So I really like when horror kind of goes in that direction. Um, I like being scared shitless, but I also 
like having it not take itself so seriously because the genre in and of itself lends itself to camp and, um, you know, self-referencing and satirical elements a lot of the time, as we've seen in, you know, Scary Movie, and, and that became a whole franchise of itself just off of parodying Scary Movies. So I think it's important to kind of, like, find a, find a little sweet spot in there. Now, uh, moving on, um, so most of, most of the movies that are going to be on here, there's three other horror movies that I'll talk about that, uh, are more of, you know, the serious horror genre. And then we've got two other kind of family, more family oriented options for you. So the next one on our list is Pearl. So Pearl is a film that is part of a, um, trilogy, a developing trilogy, uh, it, the, there was a movie that came out called X. So it's part of the trilogy, um, of horror of sort of like there's, there's a, a main story and then Pearl, I guess you could consider the origin story of X. And then, um, there's another movie that will be coming out in a couple of years to kind of wrap up the trilogy. So... I'm going to try and get some more information about the the first movie here. Uh, so uh, Maxine is the last movie that's coming out. Uh, Mia Goth, who is uh, the main actor in the X trilogy, will be returning for that one as well. It's... Um, it's it's directed by Ty West and it's um, inspired by seventies uh, horror slasher movies. Um, it sort of has that like grainy kind of like um, stop and start kind of jankily edited um, uh, with kind of like the spots on the film and everything sort of feel of a seventies movie. Uh, kind of uh, delivering a lot of like you know, your straight up nasty, gory kill scenes that we all, well, those of us who are horror movie enthusiasts know and love and are looking for. And, um, so Pearl is sort of referencing more of the, um, the 30s and 40s sort of movie, uh, aesthetic. Um, Looking at some of the trailer footage, um, I'm reminded a lot of, like, Judy Garland movies for some reason. Um, and for, I don't know why, but, it, like, that's immediately what stuck with me. It's sort of, like, this younger person trying to, like, be become bigger than, than their life and, and kind of feeling that they have a bigger purpose and uh, having to... But the dark side of it is having to make these sort of compromises in terms of... Um, you know, making a very you know, fatal <laughs> decisions in their life regarding other people in, in order to try and make their way to the top by any means necessary. So, um, as far as it's saying here, Maxine has been greenlit by A24. So that should be coming out, um, hopefully in the next year or two for another horror installment. Um, there may be a few spoilers. I'm going to try to explain the franchise without, um, giving too much away. So, I'm going to just go back to X and try and give you a, a 
synopsis of that first. So this will be available in theaters. Um, I believe X should be available online um, on Shudder and anywhere else that you can find, uh, you know, your horror movie um, available online. So I'll try and see if there's a, a specifically Canadian link that I can provide. But as far as I know, it should be on Shudder. Um, and no, that's X first. No, that's X-Men first class. I'm talking about horror movie. Not X-Men, silly. Let's try this instead. So basically the plot of X, a group of actors sets out to make an adult film in rural Texas. And they decide to film it in, I guess, sort of an Airbnb situation that's run by an elderly couple. And they're trying to make this film without getting these, these old people to find out what they're doing. So uh, they, the, the old couple does find out. And they are not happy. And uh, that's, I guess, an understatement. So... Uh, the movie from there kind of turns into the group fighting for their lives because this elderly couple has decided that they got to go. So check it out. Um, if you like uh, your horror movies with a side of uh, sexy camp, then X is definitely for you. Um, I certainly enjoy the old school, uh, you know, highly sexual elements of horror movies. I think it's like just a weird kind of juxtaposition. Um, between, you know, being super scared and being super horny. Apparently those things go hand in hand. So, um, interesting pairing, but also, uh, uh, I'm kind of a fan. So that's what X is about. Um, now Pearl, so Mia Goth is in X. And so when you think back to, I guess, what I'll explain in the plot of Pearl, which is the new movie that's just come out now. So, X, so they, they're they kind of all coming out in a pretty short period of time, one after the other. So X was actually released in March of this year, uh, starring Mia Goth and a bunch of other people, um, basically, as I said, following that cast and crew of the of the, I guess, porn that they're trying to make. And um, then going back to the origin story of Pearl, which is also, so it seems like they're going to try and release all of the movies sort of back to back to keep them pretty close together. So Pearl, it's sort of based on the idea that Pearl in X, that was kind of her original sort of persona. And Pearl is is kind of portrayed as this younger girl. She's trapped in the middle of nowhere on her family's farm and she has to take care of a, an ill parent and uh, very like religious, devout parents um, and her mother is extremely overbearing and abusive. And Pearl realizes from an early age that she, you know, wants to perform. She wants to be a star. She wants to um, go to Hollywood and kind of live out that life of stardom and glamour, but she doesn't really see any option of getting out. 
So the only option she, she kind of decides that is going to work for her is, again, they got to go. And as you may imagine, um, it takes a chilling turn. So Pearl, um, that release date, that's already out. So Pearl, you can go and watch right now. And that should be also available. Um, so as far as I understand, then X and Pearl should be available on Hulu, Amazon Prime. You can also rent or buy it on various different platforms, iTunes, Google Play, or you can check out Shudder to find those uh, available options. But um, again, not, not a movie that I have watched yet. Um, it's more of like, it's not, not a straight up horror movie as far as I've seen in terms of the reviews. It's, um, it's, it's more of a psychological thriller than a straight up horror movie slasher movie, but it, it's a good, um, it's a good prequel, a good origin story movie. And, you know, you're still going to get those, um, you know, your, your daily dose of gore and, uh, you know, your bloody horror scenes that you want. Um, the axe features very prominently in the, uh, promo shots and trailer for the movie. So this should be featuring, I'm guessing, prominently in the kill scenes. Um, and it's set in, it's actually set in 1918. So as a prequel to the movie, it's kind of interesting because you kind of don't really know in terms of how the passage of time goes on exactly where X is supposed to happen and, and, and sort of where the, is Mia Goth a, a descendant of this original character or is she that character? Um, and how does that work in terms of like time and, and, um, so is this person immortal? Are they a time traveler? Are they a descendant of a problematic person who is now, you know, getting the consequences of those actions. And so it's kind of an interesting um, way to kind of look at it. So then the last installment of this trilogy, Maxine, spelled with three X's, that I will give you the date for. And um, based on the name, I'm guessing it's sort of going to be keeping in term, like keeping with the adult nature of the second film. But we'll see here. So Maxine release date. Oh, so Maxine should already be out as well. It should have hit theaters uh, September 16th. I'll double check that. Uh, it's set after the, after the events of Pearl and X. And um, it premiered... Yeah, it's already out. It premiered at TIFF. And... Basically, we've now broken, uh, we've now fast forwarded to the 80s, 80s LA and Los Angeles. So, um, with Maxine trying to start out as a, a straight actor, um, taking normal roles, but based on the title, it sounds like that may again turn into a triple X, um, movie role instead. So, takes place, yeah, so, while, while Pearl is taking place several decades before X, Maxine is taking place, I guess, kind of 
in and around the same time as, as X. So we're doing a lot of like movie jumping back and forth in terms of timelines. And we're also seeing uh, different aesthetics, different horror aesthetics as kind of utilized throughout history, as well as kind of just normal general cinematic effects and, and aesthetics that were kind of representative of those times that they're saying that they're setting the movie in. So it's it's kind of interesting, and I really kind of think it's cool to uh, how they how they kind of recreate and reinvent the um, the type of film and the the shooting style, the editing style, um, aesthetic of the characters, aesthetic of the sets, and all of that kind of comes together to create a really cool look for the movie. Um, that's very, you know, historically and, and accurate. And as I said, detail oriented is, which is very important as well as delivering, you know, what you're looking for in a horror movie. So that's definitely a franchise that I would suggest you look into. So all three, it sounds like all three movies should be available to watch now. Uh, so you have a nice little binge to go and enjoy. Uh, now we're moving on to another classic franchise that apparently has a movie coming out very soon, or it is already out. Let's check the date on this one. Uh, the Scream franchise. So, the Scream franchise, um, this newest movie is just called Scream, and it's uh, directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillette, written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. So, Going along, again, of course, if you know anything about scary movies, um, horror movies, then you obviously know about Scream. Uh, it's been referenced and parodied to death. Uh, it's, again, like Halloween, extremely enmeshed in popular culture at this point in many different ways, both comedic and scary. Uh, bringing back the iconic ghost face and directed... Uh, the fr This is going to be... A direct sequel to Scream 4, which came out in 2011, and it is the first film in the Scream franchise to not be directed by Wes Craven following his death in 2015. Uh, it is starring um, a lot of unknowns. Um, Heather Matarazzo makes a cameo. Uh, Skeet Ulrich, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Nev Campbell will also be coming back to reprise their roles from previous installments. Uh, the film is going to take place 25 years after the original Woodsboro Murders, um, and another copycat Ghostface will come up in this movie to start killing off teenagers, uh, somehow linked to the killings from the previous movies. And um, Scream kind of goes off of the same idea, I guess, of uh, Michael Myers. Now, I guess Michael Myers... We're not. We're, we're assuming that Michael Myers' face is kind of just how his face looks, um, that it's not a mask. We're never really sure. Whereas with Ghostface, it's very obviously like a mask that they've put on with a costume that they're using as anonymity, um, and that it's somebody that they all know. So if you've watched the original movies, like it comes out within each movie, kind of who the who the secret person is under the Ghostface costume that's actually killing everybody. And, um, this plot 
is kind of, again, going off of, you know, your, your kind of already made formula for Scream movies. And for anybody who wants to feel that sort of 90s, early 2000s nostalgia, I highly recommend that you check it out. So the Scream film series, uh, to just to do another recap like we did with Halloween. Um, when did it start? Grossed over $740 million in worldwide box office receipts. Uh, and let's see here. There are a lot of different people involved in the writing, producing, and directing for the movies. But as I mentioned, Wes Craven is obviously who we associate the most with the franchise. And, um, let's see how many films are in this franchise here. So we had the original Scream, which has the same name as the one that's coming out now. And that debuted in 1996. Uh, I would have been, uh, nine year nine years old. And, um... We've got Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, Scream, and they've already slotted in an untitled Scream sequel for 2023. So this franchise is not ending. As we all can see, the franchise will be continuing, and they already are slated to be releasing another movie next year. And, um... Obviously, the iconic character, Sidney Prescott who is um, trying to kind of solve the whodunit of the mysterious ghost-faced who, who has come up and um, at the same time dealing with the anniversary of her mother's murder as well, which may or may not have links to Ghostface. And in terms of uh, both financial success, it also received you know quite a bit of critical acclaim at the time for a horror movie franchise. However, it also inspired a lot of jokes and a lot of parodies. Um, so as I mentioned, obviously, Scary Movie is what we really associate with um, Scream Now, almost more than the actual franchise itself. And uh, as we also know, Scream was uh, produced in part by the now, you know, very questionable Weinstein Company, and they helped to develop um, a, a few of the movies in this franchise. So definitely not a great legacy there in terms of the, the franchise as a whole. But, you know, this, it happened. And, and now we're going, we're, we've obviously canceled Harvey Weinstein now. And so there is also um, some, there was talk of making a TV spinoff for the Scream franchise. So... This, uh, as far as I can see here, there is now three seasons, three seasons of the Scream show, and uh, third season was Resurrection, which, uh, so, th so the series, it sounds like, that they had as a TV show ended in 2019. There's also a documentary film, Still Screaming, The Ultimate Scary Movie Retrospective, uh, and... There is also, you know, some controversy regarding any horror movie. Um, so with with Michael Myers and Ghostface, there were reports of a lot of copycats that come out around the times that the movies get released, which is not ideal. 
and um, people either dressing up in the same costumes or people who are just say when if if and when they're apprehended for committing these crimes say that they were inspired by those movie franchises so not exactly something you want to hear when you are uh you know a horror movie creator but um it, it is obviously something that happens that needs to be addressed um the last episode that we'll be doing one of the last episodes we'll be doing this month will be focusing on true crime so we'll, we'll get into more of sort of that side of the true crime stuff when we do that episode but um just as a, a point to make in terms of uh in terms of the franchise is is you're always going to hear around the time that the movies come out is that there are copycat killers or attempted killers which is very unfortunate um it's just entertainment it's not something to emulate okay guys you're not supposed to be going out and dressing up like them and killing people that the movies were not there to tell you that this behavior was right it was do trying to do the opposite i'm pretty sure so uh let's not do that okay guys remember sex in the city <laughs> this is what i feel right now just like like carrie who's like honestly the worst character in my opinion um so we've got scream covered as somebody who again grew up with scream basically from the time i was a young kid until now it kind of just holds a place in my heart in terms of nostalgic value. Um, I'm not going to say I'm a, a, entirely obsessed with the franchise because I do find it to be pretty corny. Um, I like a horror movie to be like actually really scary. And just when I see Ghostface's face, like I can't help but be amused instead of scared. So I don't really, I don't really consider the Scream franchise to be as actually scary as some of the other ones. But it's still fun. It's still a good watch. Um, I'm not going to obviously discount it. So really, really, um, it, it's it, I, I, it maybe a franchise that should be coming to an end that hasn't. But um, you know what? I have the same opinion about, you know, things like The Fast and the Furious. I can't really control how many iterations of a movie they're going to release. And as long as people are asking for them and they'll pay for them, I guess they're not going to stop making them, right? So it is what it is. I just feel like a lot of times with franchises and like if you go past the trilogy stage, you're you're just declining in quality considerably with each one. So I'm not going to say that I support trilogy plus franchises because generally they're shit but it's it's something that then carries into other decades and into other generations so that they can enjoy it in a new way so i won't be super critical about it let people enjoy things let them have their fun but i will draw attention to the cash grabbing aspect of it because i really feel like that can't be ignored like we we need to address that that elephant in the room that that inflatable goat in the room if you will sorry uh so that's scream and you know I, if you know you know so i think that that's kind of an on the fence one for me i'll probably go see halloween and, and pearl 
and the Pearl trilogy before I'll check out the Scream stuff, but because um, I feel like it's kind of been done to death, and I prefer Halloween over Scream, but I'll give it a I'll give it a chance. Give we'll, we'll give her a chance. Uh, next, we're going to Under Wraps. So this is kind of a weird sort of like random cut, and um, it's not. It, it's sort of a it, it's sort of a, a horror movie, but more of like an adventure comedy, and it's it's based in uh, being set around the time of Halloween. So this would be more of a family friendly option for people if you're looking for something that's good for the whole family. It's a Disney Disney project. So you know that you're going to be safe showing this to your kids. So Under Wraps 2, as the name suggests, uh, involves mummies. So we have the sort of premise of the of the original movie, which came out back in 1997. Um, I was not aware of this movie uh, until I started doing research for this episode. So Under Wraps involves three 12-year-old children who are friends. They encounter a mummy which has been undiscovered over 3,000 years, and they accidentally revive this mummy, and they must return the mummy to its resting place by midnight on Halloween, or he will never find his long-lost love. So, already sounds super corny. Um, the reason I bring it up is because it just, it, it's apparently something that's, um, a lot of people are looking forward to because, again, it's a, it's a reboot, and it's from... A movie that came out so long ago. So they're now coming out with Under Wraps 2. So I'm trying, even though this is an 18 plus podcast, I'm obviously going to try and provide some options for everybody because I know that pe- some people listening, they have children, they have students, they have, you know, family that's younger, maybe they want some suggestions for them, uh, as well as um, inappropriate uh, hack and slash bloody gore that, you know, some people are into. So I think that, um, so Under Wraps actually came out back in 2020. The remake came out back in 2021, I believe. Let me see here. Or no, no, it's coming out, no, it's coming out in 2022. So let me just double check the date on that one. Uh, yeah, that is already out. So it premiered back in September. Um, it's technically, it says it's under wraps too, but it says it's a, oh, I see. Okay. This is why I'm getting confused. So there was an under wraps that came out in 1997. I'm just trying to recall my notes that I'm looking at here. So there was an under wraps that came out in 1997. Then there was an under wraps that came out last year, which was a remake of the 1997 one. Now they're coming out with an under wraps two, which is a sequel to both, I guess, the original and the remake. Uh, Under Wraps 2 picks up as um, Marshall, Gilbert, and Amy, the three friends, are getting ready to attend Amy's father's Halloween-themed wedding. And uh, the mummy and the mummy's, you know, long-lost love that was alluded to in the previous uh, plot synopsis may be in danger from an evil mummy with a thousand-year grudge against his best friend-turned-bitter rival, Harold, uh, this evil mummy has now been unexpectedly awakened and is out for revenge. And with help from uh, their hypnotized lackey, this evil mummy kidnaps a bunch of people, 
and uh, uh, including the long lost love of the mummy, Harold. So everyone has to use their skills to save her and get everyone back in time for the dad's wedding. Uh, there could not have been a more Disney plot if I heard one. So uh, let's see if there's anybody that you may recognize in this movie. Uh, the, there's really nobody that you're going to know from this movie, most likely. Um, a notable return of uh, a character as Bueller from the 1997 version of Under Wraps uh, will make an appearance. And uh, it should be all available on the Disney Channel. On Disney Plus. It looks super cheese, but I I'm sure it'll be a fun little time. Uh, now and we also have another of my favorite Halloween franchises in recent years. Um, and just like, again, a good example of campy fun horror for the whole family. Scooby-Doo. So Scooby-Doo kind of has had a whole bunch of different um horror movies and tv sh obviously the tv show is infused in that way with like true crime and horror a little bit um but we've got a brand new film coming out uh trick-or-treat scooby-doo and i'm going to talk a little bit about uh since i have a chance to um i as much as i want to talk about the brand new movie that's coming out um, I, I need to mention the Hex Girls because one of my favorite parts of the Scooby-Doo, uh, universe is, um, obviously the iconic Hex Girls, which is a girl group, um, of spooky, scary, gothy, punk sort of girls with vampire fangs, um, who may or may not be witches. And, uh, their names are Thorn, Dusk, and Luna, in case you were wondering, they do have names, and um, they are an active band, and they made an appearance in Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. They are an e eco, they are described as a female eco-goth rock band from Oak Haven, Massachusetts, specifically, <laughs> which fucking makes me laugh so hard. Um... They're literally just, like, rich East Coast girls who, like, had angst and started a band <laughs> and, like, put fake vampire teeth in. That's what I'm getting out of here. Um, also, um, in case you didn't notice, one of the characters is clearly mixed, and I'm living for it. So, um, we're not just gonna ignore that representation. Um, so go back and watch the Hex Girls for that. Clearly that's me. <laughs> so... Uh, yes, and apparently, I'm gonna, I'm gonna discuss them a little bit more in the witch episode, but, um, couldn't, couldn't talk about Scooby-Doo without mentioning the Hex Girls, I'm literally obsessed. So, but we'll talk more about that in the, in the next episode. Um, I'm definitely shipping the lead singer in Velma 100% all day, every day. So, uh, but we're not gonna talk about that movie right now as much as I love it, and, um, want to talk about witchy gay shit right now. We're going to talk about Scooby-Doo, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, which is the new movie that's coming out. So what's interesting is that, like, there's certain Scooby-Doo movies that are, like, just kind of the, the theme and the topic is whatever, 
And then there's Scooby-Doo movies that are specifically Halloween related. So this is one of those. So Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, um, I believe it is being released tomorrow. Uh, oh no. It says release date October 4th, but that may be only in like specific places. But I, as far as I can see here, it's, it should be dropping, it says also here October 14th, October 18th. Yeah, it looks like it depends on what network you're watching it on. So Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, let me just find the, it basically the, the very Reader's Digest TLDR um, description that they have here. Uh, Scooby-Doo and the gang spring into action when menacing doppelganger ghosts threaten Halloween. So as far as I understand, uh, oh my god, and the voice acting, oh my god, uh, Matthew Lillard is one of the voice actors, <laughs> so, like, I, I love it so much. Um, that actually makes me so happy. So you know it's gonna be legit. Uh, so, in case... You're not aware of the term doppelganger. <coughs> it's uh, it, it's used to refer to a a, a a clone or a duplicate of of an, another person. So, like if you were to see somebody, so it's it's generally referring to somebody that is not biologically related to you, but basically looks exactly the same as you. Or somebody else. Like, if you were to see somebody and then you happen to be out in public and see someone else and you thought it was them, but it was actually a completely different person and not related to the original person, that would be an example of a doppelganger. And it's it's very often referred to in, in um, scenarios where there's a good version of somebody and evil version of somebody. Um, and may or may not actually be a living version of the original person it could be an apparition or a ghost so they they are referencing that in the scooby-doo uh universe so just to give you a, a quick uh explanation of that um so in very oftentimes doppelgangers are portrayed as not actual human people who look the same as another human person it's very often that it's um a, a ghost or like a um a hallucination or like something like that. An apparition. Um, the word doppelganger in German means double, double happening, double going, basically. Like gang, gang means to go, like to do something. Uh, and doppel means double. Um, so that's like a very interesting, uh, concept. So uh, as far as I can already see with this trick-or-treat Scooby-Doo, we're going to be having some mistaken identities going on and uh, people thinking that this this person or apparition is the real version of the Scooby-Doo gang when it's not, um, leading to hilarious and uh, creepy pratfalls and uh, things like that that will ensue. But um, in terms of Scooby-Doo, how long has Scooby-Doo been around? That's a good question. I'd really like to know that. Scooby-Doo franchise. And it's not like you really have to watch anything in the franchise, TV, show, or, or movies in order or anything, but I'd highly recommend, obviously, that you watch the original 
cartoon TV show first, Hanna-Barbera um, TV show. And that actually debuted in 1969, was the first episode. Um, the original series, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And it's now kind of turned into this, like, humongous, again, mega-franchise with both animated and live-action versions of the movies. Um, lots of different pop culture references in there now. Um, so, but there isn't really... There isn't really a way to watch them in order, I don't think, but um, I would recommend to watch the original show first and then check out some of the newer stuff just to get a sense of kind of like how how it was going. And then obviously, as I said, watch the watch the movie with the Hex Girls. It's like pretty much required viewing if you're a Scooby-Doo fan and it's Halloween. Um... And, uh, again, Scooby-Doo is a good example of, uh, a family-friendly offering, um, so this is a, definitely a, an SFW option for the kiddos, and something that, at this point, uh, we can see that there's enough, like, kind of in-jokes and adult references to make it enjoyable for grown-ups, too. What's not to love about Scooby-Doo? And, um, as far as I can see here, uh, it doesn't look like there's any signs of stopping the franchise, so we should be looking out for lots more Scooby-Doo in the future. Uh, hopefully with Linda Cardellini, as, if it's live action, um, because reasons. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Scooby-Doo, always great for costumes as well very recognizable, very fun, uh, fairly simple. So definitely a must watch on the list. And then we are leaving off our movie list with, um, a movie that I was excited for, but not so much anymore. Um, which I'll explain as I, as I talk about it. So as we all know, another Disney offering that just dropped a sequel this uh, last couple weeks is Hocus Pocus. So Hocus Pocus, the original, came out in 1993. Um, so that would have been... Eight, nine, so I would have been six? Six years old when it came out? Around that age? Um, so I do vaguely remember watching it when it came out, but it was also a little bit before my time. Um, I was more into the, like, animated Disney movies than the live-action ones, but, um, Hocus Pocus was pretty, a pretty big movie for me as somebody who loves Halloween. Like, there, I don't think there was a party that I went to for, like, a every other party I would go to, it would have Hocus Pocus playing. And, um, it's, it's now experienced a bit of a resurgence. Like a lot of, a lot of franchises now, um, are again being, um, taken over, not by children, but by Gen X and millennials who were kids when these original movies came out. So we have a whole two generations of people, of adults, who are standing these franchises and not kids. Or we've got, and we've also got parents who are now bringing their kids into the, the new versions of the movies to 
you know, share their knowledge of, oh, and I was, remember when I was a kid and this came out back in the day and, and everything like that. So, obviously there's nostalgic value. <coughs> I just remembered, too, speaking of Sarah Jessica Parker, who I mentioned earlier, obviously is in the original Hocus Pocus as one of the Sanderson sisters. So, the newest iteration of Hocus Pocus, which, um, let me just check here. Everybody who was in the original, the, the original three Sandersons, are reprising their original roles, which is kind of crazy. And honestly, if you're going to do the sequel, if you're going to do the remake, fucking do it right and get everybody back original cast as much as possible or else honestly don't fucking do it like bring them back in the cgi if you have to but like just you know come correct with the sequels and the remakes okay the people know what they want to see disney knows what the people want to see like just just don't mess around with it all right and the filming went right back to uh kind of the same area so the uh the the premise of the first movie i guess I'll, I'll i'll go over that first let's do that first so the sanderson sisters were basically witches that um were like i guess um persecuted and they've kind of like they were kind of like for for it sounds like kind of valid reasons <laughs> Um, and in terms of witches as sort of, like, chaotic characters who don't really care about, you know, anybody except themselves, um, but as well as characters that, you know, were, were, again, being laid dormant and not really causing any problems to anybody, uh, it's a good, you know, uh, again, uh, sort of the same vibe as uh, Under Wraps. You're resurrecting, like, a hidden, um, hidden spirits. You're resurrecting, like, the hidden power, and it's evil, uh, and chaotic, and now you have to, like, band together with your friends to kind of get rid of this threat. In this case, it would be in the form of the three bad bitches, bad bitch trio, the Sanderson sisters, Winifred, Sarah, and Mary, they are um, taken away. So in ba way back in the first movie, you've got um, reports of them, you know, taking a child. And the children have gone missing. Uh, the sisters are accused and sentenced to be uh, killed. But uh, Winifred, the most powerful, casts a curse. And... Um, if all the conditions are perfect of the uh, the curse being um, fulfilled, all three Sanderson sisters will get brought back to life and uh, continue on with their witchy hotivities. So, obviously this happens, and they come back, you know, to pick up right where they left off. They're taking kids, they're snatching up them kids, hide your kids, hide your wife, uh, and hide your husband's. Because they're smelling everybody out here. And um, Winifred, also, you see her resurrecting her lover, Billy Butcherson, to assist with the getting of the, the, the kiddos. And 
you know, hijinks and uh, everything ensue. Obviously, the um, the witch's death breaks the curse, allowing the character Banks, who is very crucial to helping this uh, the Sanderson sisters go back into dormant status. Uh, the curse is broken on Banks, uh, finally able to die, their soul is free, um, and Billy Butcherson returns to his grave. The Sanderson sisters, obviously, at the end of the movie, you know the, the Saint over and opens it up for possible um, return to the franchise, which we're now returning to in 2022. So, basically, as you may have um, already kind of gathered. Um, it's based on back in sort of the, the prequel of um, showing, I guess, like a flashback of sort of Salem incident. And uh, it sort of gives um, a backstory of how the witches got their powers, which is kind of cool. And uh, how they how they kind of up their power game. And uh, it's basically, like, this is the young Sanderson sisters, so um, they're being gifted this their grimoire, essentially, w with a with a explicit warning to not cast a specific spell in it. Now, 29 years after the Sanderson sisters were resurrected by the Black Flame Candle to come back to Salem back in the 90s, now this new movie is taking place 29 years after that incident, um, and there's a magic shop that has now been opened up in the former Sanderson cottage with the candle that is lit, um, for someone's birthday, which turns out to be a black flame candle. And apparently that is now resurrecting the Sanderson sisters again. So again, more hijinks ensue. Uh, obviously, um, there's, uh, I'm not gonna, obviously, the, the entire movie's here, I'm not gonna give away all the spoilers if you do want to go watch it, so I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. Um, but, uh, they also brought back the original composer to, to score the sequel, John Debney, and, uh, <laughs> there's a track called Ghosted, that's funny. And... Um, apparently it hasn't gotten the greatest reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think depending on if you're like a hardcore Hocus Pocus fan, you may have like a different interpretation and reception of the movie. Um, just watching it based on like it being a good movie, you may be disappointed. Um, also, um, I met, I was talking about this with my friend on the weekend and I posted this online as well. Um, because I, in the interest of, uh, providing information for that sort of thing, in case you have an issue with that, um, Bette Midler has been involved in a bit of controversy, a bit of controversy in the last few years, and that is involving a backlash over certain tweets that she's made. Yes, Bet Midler, it appears, has pulled a bit of a J.K. Rowling and um, posted both transphobic tweets 
um, she posted tweets um, being critical about a certain state, implying that everyone in the state was, like, junkies, drug addicts, and, like, white trash, basically. Um, she, she made a few other tweets as well um, in the last few years, but um, the most recent one that's pretty problematic, um, which she, she addressed the tweet but did not really outright apologize or say it was inappropriate, um, she is tweeting, um, in the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, she tweeted about the status of the term woman being erased, um, saying in the tweet, uh, we are being stripped of our rights, our bodies, our lives, and even of our name. They don't call us women anymore. They call us birthing people or menstruators and even people with vaginas. Don't let them erase you. Every human on earth owes you. Which, um, got her, earned her the title of TERF. Um, some have floated the idea of boycotting the upcoming Hocus Pocus sequel, at least until she apologizes for these comments. Um, the term, the term, the terms that she's finding issues with, um, is basically... The fact that we are now moving towards more inclusive language when it comes to people that identify as women and people who are are women but may not necessarily have originally been biologically female um, or were born biologically female but may not be able to um, have children. Who like because the fact of it is like trans cis biological, um, physical sex versus socialized gender, you could still have a cishet woman or a cis woman who cannot have a child, who cannot reproduce, or who doesn't get periods. And that's still a woman, that person's still female. But we have also need to now recognize the... Um, reality that there are people in the LGBTQ community, trans men and women, uh, and people who are non-binary and non-gender conforming, who are still going to embody some of the same things as both a biological female and a socialized woman in society. So apparently Bette Midler has an issue with using inclusive language and considers it much like J.K. Rowling to be an erasure of cis women which again it's like nobody was erasing your identity we were just including i almost knocked that over getting real heated uh we were just including other people within that definition so no one no one was erasing what was going on with anybody else they were just adding some more stuff in to include others Some people seem to have issues with those sorts of things, including, unfortunately, Bette, who, as I said, did not apologize for the the comments. Um, They addressed the tweet, as I said, uh, saying here, um, People of the world, my tweet about women was a response to this fascinating and well-written piece in the New York Times on July 3rd. There was no intention of anything exclusionary or transphobic in what I said. It wasn't about that. It was about the same old shit. 
women, all women, have been putting up with since the cavemen. Even then, men got top billing. Which is an interesting walk back, attempted walk back. Um, because, because Bette Midler uses the term they. And so, in terms of the people calling, like, using these terms, birthing people, people who menstruate, people with vaginas, um... I, I, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that the people using those terms are not the men that you're referring to. They're probably the ones who are agreeing with you from your first tweet. So I find it a little bit sus that they're trying to justify it by saying, oh, well, I, I wasn't being a turf, I was just being a man-hater. <laughs> As if that's any better. And then try and act like you didn't say what you said, that it was literally written down in a tweet. We, that we could all see and read and trying to act like that's not what you were trying to say. So for those reasons, I will probably not be running to my TV to watch Hocus Pocus 2 or go rewatch the first one anytime soon. Um, I think that's a little gross. And considering that Bette Midler is a gay icon, um, I find that extremely weird that she would that she would have gone there. Um, so, and, and, and similar to the whole thing with J.K. Rowling, the fact that there was no apology and that it seems to have just been kind of attempted to be justified or digging in your heels to prove you're right, that's not the energy that we're trying to bring to the room right now. That's not the energy that we're trying to create in the studio today. So that's, for that reason, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say boycott. In terms of boycotting things, I'm really only... Like, boycotting an individual, sure, but what becomes problematic about boycotting the whole thing is that other people who aren't super problematic are also involved in this movie. And what sucks is that one person is now kind of putting a... a oh, shit, that's my alarm. What sucks is that... Is that one person is kind of putting a, a really terrible spin on what could have been a really nice franchise, uh, you know, kind of resurgence, reboot. But now we've got this sort of div div division in between fans who want to enjoy things and, you know, kind of reconnect with their childhood and, you know, bring their kids into it potentially even. And now that's kind of been tainted and it's now mixed with, okay, well, do I support this person who clearly has some very outdated ideas about what a woman is and the type of language that we can use to include everybody and kind of just making it all about them. So that's all I'm going to talk about in terms of the the backlash with Hocus Pocus 2, um, with something we'll probably go into a little bit more in the Witch episode, because I, I will be addressing the Harry Potter and the Hocus Pocus franchises in that episode. Uh, so we won't dwell on it too much now, but just letting you know, that is a thing that happened. Um, I was very upset about it too. I was just talking about Hocus Pocus 2, and how I wanted to check it out the other day, and then I remembered that uh, information about Bette Midler. It's kind of sad, but you know, you got it. You got to approach certain things in pop culture with an informed mind. Um, you don't want to go supporting people who basically are committed to making you, as a as a consumer of pop culture, have a shitty life. So um that that's kind of what I think about at the end of the day like do you want to support someone who's committed to 
you not having rights or somebody you love not having rights, it, that that's a lot more important to me than liking a movie or listening to a musician. Um, you know, I'd rather not listen to them ever again until they realize that there are consequences to their actions of, of the things they say and do than just blindly ignore a bunch of terrible things they've done because they're, because they're a great actor, because they're a great musician. So that's my hot take, my two cents on the whole Hocus Pocus thing. And that's on Winifred. And that's all the movies that we have to go over in this episode. I feel like um, we are a little over time, so I'm gonna just, I'm gonna come close to you guys now. I'm just gonna come in close. Okay, hey neighbor, just gonna have a look at the time. Oh, we're at an hour and a half. Okay, that's cool. Um, also, how many um, votes on me were just wearing a fucking straight bundle and just rocking rocking a wig or a, or a fucking lace front or a fucking weave forever? Because, like, honestly, I'm feeling my fucking shit right now. Bro. Yes. Okay, I need to stop. I need to stop, guys. I'm sorry. I see you over there judging me, Jeff. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go back to the chair. Just give me one second. Um, uh, I actually, we're doing better for time than I thought. And I, I, I am trying to listen to myself, and I am trying to not say um as much. I hope that this is being communicated in this episode for this week. So we're gonna go back to the chair now. Just do a little... Uh, uh, ooh. I'm just being fucking ridiculous right now, guys. As I said, I'm, I'm I'm feeling myself super hard right now. You can't you can't say shit. <coughs> so we're gonna move on to TV now. That should take us to another about half an hour, forty five minutes. Then we'll go over a few music and video game offerings, as I mentioned, and then we will wrap it up for this week. I need to find a little refresh on my beverage. And I think I need to take a bite of my pizza. This podcast stuff today drained me. It's it's hard work, guys. So hard. So difficult. Well, honestly, it is for me sometimes because um, some days are like very good days and other days are fucking terrible so it's really just a crapshoot for me at this point um it for example today it took me like until two to get out of bed and i still did stuff from my bed but i still didn't actually physically get out of bed so you know what it's a thing that happens. Um, I just, I think I just, you know, I'm trying to be more aware of my mental and physical limitations lately. Um, and I feel like 
taking time in the morning helped me to better get to this place now. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is take, take time for yourself if you need to, especially now when the weather's getting colder and the seasonal depression's about to set in and nobody's going to fucking want to do anything anymore. Please don't be hard on yourself and just please take time for yourself. Remember to be healthy. Remember if you are dealing too much with your family, if you're indulging too much in unhealthy coping mechanisms, just, you know, remember to take it back a little bit. Take time for yourself. Don't don't bring toxic shit into your life. Don't let people disrespect you. Um we're going we're going to get through. We're going to get through the cold times. We're going to get through the cold dark uh, after times and, together and we're going to do it with pop culture we're going to do it with entertainment and comedy and um, we're going to do it with alcohol <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to refill my, my glass over here a little bit um, it's not going to be a Cosmo um, it's going to be a something else so I'm just going to do that super quick for you guys The other super secret cocktail that I've come out with is not a cocktail. Now, I know Madison is probably not a, like a straight up red wine drinker, but she is now. I'm just gonna fill that up here. We're just gone from, from Cosmos to box wine, because that's how I roll. That's how I roll. If I'm shining, everybody gotta shine. I woke up like this, don't even gotta try. Like a shot, a nigga better over time. Heard you say I'm not the baddest bitch, you lying. Ain't my fault that I'm out here getting loose. Gotta blame it on the goose. Gotta blame it on my juice, baby. Mm-mm-mm. Oh yeah, I did say that there was going to be some live music coming up. Um, I I did say that. I do recall making that statement. Um, so that will be available coming up this week. I did actually record a draft for a song. It did happen. It actually did take place. I have another one that I'm working on right now that I'm going to post some videos on TikTok of this week. And hoping that I'll have some more polished versions of the two songs in the next week. And then going forward from there, I'm going to try and do a little bit more polished kind of studio time when it comes to the songs. Um, maybe put some music video elements in as well. So that is coming. Um, but as you know, sometimes on the podcast, I do like to, you know, sing a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit limited in my ability to include certain extended clips of other people's content in the podcasts because uh, I I ain't shit. Nobody knows who I am. <laughs> and so uh, it's more likely that people will care about the fact that I'm using copyrighted content and flag me for it. So I'm doing my best to not like put too much copyrighted content out online right now. Um, at least until shit gets a little bit bigger. If it does, who knows if it will. 
Um, but yeah. If you want to hear more singing, obviously, let me know. Let me know if you have any requests for songs. I should do an episode, actually. I should do one episode where I, ta- I just take song requests and just do kind of like an open mic karaoke sort of thing and see if I can figure it out. Maybe I'll do that in the next couple months. That sounds fun. Let me know what you think about that idea. And we're going to go along to our next list of things, which is TV. So. I feel like what's so interesting with, with uh, like all these different streaming services that have come out in the last few years is that I feel like when you watch a movie, <coughs> excuse me, you kind of get ripped off these days in a sense because like if you were to go watch a TV show, every episode is like an hour long. So it's like you're getting an episode that's almost the same length as like two thirds of a movie. And then you get to come back and watch that again every single week for, like, multiple episodes. I'm thinking a lot of, like, um, some of the shows like Rings of Power and House of the Dragon that I've been watching lately that have, like, super long episodes. Very, like, elaborate, um, you know, costuming and sets and stuff that are going on as well. And, like, CGI and shit like that. Special effects. So, (coughs) excuse me. It's like every episode you get like, uh, uh, your own little mini movie that's in, I get to me, when you compare it to just going to the movies or, like, looking up a movie online, I feel like you get a lot more, um, I guess, in terms of value when you're watching, like, a little mini series or, like, a series now, because every single episode's, like, almost the same, like, it's, it's almost like a movie in itself. And you, it's like you're getting little, like, follow-ups and sequels as you go with the, with the, the series on the season that you're on. So we've got a lot of stuff that's going to be giving, um, very much spooky. I'll go over just some brief plot points for each one. The first one we're going to be doing is called, uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. So, uh, for any Guillermo del Toro fans, We've got the Cabinet of Curiosities that's dropping on Netflix. Um, of course, we've seen in the past, um, you know, some other, you know, creepy uh, horror and horror-adjacent offerings from this director uh, and creator, including um, Pan's Labyrinth, um, The Shape of Water, if you were into those, and... Uh, so I'm super excited to check out Cabinet of Curiosities. Basically, um, it's a horror anthology, um, sort of similar to like Tales from the Crypt, Are You Afraid of the Dark, um, American Horror Story, that, that sort of idea. Um, so each episode is going to involve a few different stories. And, um, so the series is basically involving eight different unique horror stories that reference, you know, the idea of the classic original horror genre, but also take it in a different direction. So we've got, um, the two episodes that actually were created and directed by Guillermo del Toro, and other ones are written and directed by different horror filmmakers. 
Uh, this is premiering on October 25th, so a little bit closer to ha actual Halloween. So you've got some time to kind of look into it and uh, get excited for this. Um, these are, again, personally curated stories by Oscar-winning fil filmmakers, which are like basically hand-picked by Del Toro himself, and is going to be um, referencing and uh, explaining with each episode. So they'll be like introducing each episode. Um, every single episode you can look up online and get a brief, um, kind of, a schedule of when the episodes are coming out, but in terms of explanation of what the episodes are about, there isn't too much information yet, which I, I kind of like. I kind of want it to stay that way. You want as few spoilers as possible before the actual time it's happening, um, but you can you can Google this and look up some of the uh, titles of the upcoming episodes if you're interested. I really hope that this becomes a regular seasonal thing. I think that would be really cool to see. But not too much information on Cabinet of Curiosities that I can really give. Um, the the, the uh, title of the show is based on the, the concept of the Curio Cabinet, um, a cabinet originally describes the entire room, not just the piece of furniture that you keep the stuff in. Uh, it, it basically a cabinet of curiosities was like the term for the overall collection of notable objects. Um, and depending on the type of collector you are, uh, they could vary in degree of creepiness and scariness. Uh, depending on what the items were. So, uh, there's also um, a Netflix official site for Cabinet of Curiosities that you can check out. Um, there's also, of course, there's a German word for it, Wunderkammer. So, uh, <laughs> apparently, again, you've, you've now learned Doppelganger and you've now learned... Uh, what was the word again? Wunderkammer. So we've got two, two great German words that we're, we're learning today. We're, we're, we've got some Duolingo. We're learning some vocab, and we're also we're also getting scared. I like it. So um, obviously, um, Guillermo del Toro's work in the past speaks for itself. Um, so it, it's 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 promising to be a very uh, disturbing, visually sensational, and uh, artistically immaculate production. Can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Um, if you are looking for some horror stuff with sort of a queer um, sort of spin on it, uh, I have a couple suggestions. Um, I just started watching um, the competition show Boulet Brothers Dracula the other day. Uh, so there were four seasons. Um, it started in 2016. And the Boulet Brothers... Boulet, it sounds like it said Boulet. I didn't mean... And I'm just thinking of Michael Boulet. Michael Boulet having, like, a brother, like the Property Brothers or something. And they both dress in drag. <laughs> I really hope that... Michael Bublé and the Property Brothers see this or find out about it <laughs> and dress up as the Boulet Brothers because I think that would be actually fantastic. Um, so the Boulet Brothers, they are very popular um, 
drag duo. They gen- basically dress the exact same, and uh, they're kind of known for their um, the gravitating towards more of like the goth kind of spooky aesthetic. So they created a competition TV series, basically very similar to RuPaul's Drag Race, um, called Dragula. Um, yes, there there may or may not be a Rob Zombie reference in there. Um, this this is um, on Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Shudder. So they're basically uh, exactly kind of the same premises as the as the Drag Race franchise. You're bringing in a bunch of different queens who most of them are known for their drag with a with a spin on it as being like horror based kind of like uh not super pretty like pretty but mixed usually with like a um a monster or like a cult or like a dark gothic punk occult sort of uh flavor to it and uh the boulet brothers um host different competition um challenges every week and they want to uh, then eliminate everybody each week. Um, there's different kind of basic criteria, similar to the charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent um, baseline that is presented in RuPaul's Drag Race, whereas theirs is drag, filth, horror, and glamour. And uh, this show is completely created and produced by the Boulay Brothers and their production company. Um, and it's loosely based on a club show sort of experience that they have been running for several years of the same name, uh, Boulay Brothers Dragula, and now they've basically just turned it into a show. Um, it originally started on Hey Queen, which if you haven't seen Hey Queen, it's like a really kind of funny talk show sort of um, channel, but they they started hosting Boulay Brothers Dragula back in 2016. Um, the show was picked up by Canadian Network, OutTV, and now it has been uh, picked up by other major networks, as I mentioned, and it's in its fourth season. So there is also a special called Dragula Resurrection that they did, and um, as of September 12th, it's been announced that Dragula Titans is coming out at the end of this month, October. Uh, the cast has been announced, um, and it's including contestants from, it's like similar to an all-stars version of Drag Race, so they're bringing back, um, contestants from the first four seasons of the main Dragula series to compete for the ultimate prize. Um, I've, so far, since I've watched it, I think it's really cool, um, uh, similar to Drag Race, the production value goes up a little bit as you're watching through the subsequent seasons. And um, there's a lot of uh, focus on kind of, you know, stepping away from like the traditional idea of drag being like the best way that you can, I guess, impersonate uh a, the different gender or, or be, uh, I guess, androgynous or gender bending, but it's also bringing in the elements of like, can you, <coughs> excuse me, of can you make it scary? Can you make it like not super pretty and pageanty? And um, 
can you still have a good personality on top of that and, 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 you know, set yourself apart as a competitor in terms of your personality, um, and have that be, you know, um, and have that match with the spirit of the show, uh, as well. So there's also lots of different judges that they've brought onto the show. Um, as with RuPaul's Drag Race, there's a lot of celebrities and sort of pseudo celebrities that they've brought to be guest judges. Since the show has become bigger and better as the seasons have gone on, they've managed to get more famous people. Um, <coughs> many big names are including uh, Peaches Christ, Amanda Lepore, Bob the Drag Queen, uh, Henry Rollins, Orville Peck, Trixie Mattel, Vanessa Hudgens, and Willem. Willem one of my favorite people. And so... Uh, Generally, oh yeah, Rachel True was also a guest, um, Bible Girl, I forgot about that, that was like from the first season, um, so yeah, if you're into drag, if you're into RuPaul's Drag Race, or you like going to drag shows, if you're into that, I would highly suggest Dragula, um, so not, obviously not a super scary thing, it's more just like using the, the scary aesthetic, but if it's something that's sort of a, a really good option for if you're looking for spooky, spooky ooky stuff for Halloween. And uh, also in that vein, we have on Shudder, uh, Queer for Fear. So in the tradition of uh, horror movies, we see a lot of uh, focus on if there's any kind of like reference of sexuality in the films. It's usually heterosexual and usually involving teenagers. Um, so Queer for Fear is a history, it's a documentary, and it's uh, the history of queer horror, which is exploring basically um, not just movies that were specifically made with a queer uh like queer representation, which has happened more so in recent years, but also examining already made horror films through a queer lens, which is something that I don't think a lot of us really think about when we think about horror movies. Um, and so this is, this is broken up into different episodes. So it's a documentary, but in like a TV miniseries format. Um, Basically talking about the relationship between the horror movie genre the and the queer audiences that are watching these movies, uh, and then to that, extending from that, the queer community in general. Um, this is a, a Brian Fuller project, and they're basically, it's in four different parts. So there's kind of like four mini-series-esque episodes that will go into detail about um, the genre and sort of the intersection of queer, queer representation and, um, stuff like that. Uh, talks about things that we may not have picked up on in other movies that had, uh, homoerotic overtones. Um, Dracula is the first one of those that comes to mind. Um, I think if you think of any type of, uh, franchise or archetype of a character that I would think of right off the top of my head that would be, like, queer... Uh, definitely Dracula and Vampires is up there on the list. So, um, for example, they, they kind of look into that. And, um, 
from there we can it, it sort of you know talks about you know where certain stereotypes get established where they get dismantled um where they kind of use exploit queerness and where they also um you know celebrate it as well as it just being like where do we put in queer characters in movies where does it become like uh you know like a, a joke part of the movie um when did they just become like fodder like kill fodder essentially in movies uh similar to the trope of like killing off black characters in horror movies first or whatever that's sort of like a similar thing so uh i think that it's like a probably you know a long time coming because uh we have a lot of queer representation in different genres of movies and stuff like that um, interestingly, though, um, horror doesn't seem to be uh, as much of a genre that you really it really jumps out at you. Um, unless it's like in terms of anti anti queer sentiment up until very recently, um, and uh, going back to you know certain um, movies, uh, people's uh, interpretations of characters and how other directors and other people who would then take these writings or take these original movies and do uh, remakes or turn books into movies and where think a lot of things were queer-coded. Um, as we know in other genres, um, a lot of villains, which horror movies like sort of put, um, you know, center a villain, uh, you know, some kind of killer or like somebody that's causing some sort of uh, metaphysical unrest... And a lot of villains in many genres are queer-coded, or gay-coded, um, to give a subconscious fear of gay people. Um, of course, that backfired for a lot of us, and a lot of us millennials are now just really thirsty for villains. Uh, so, nice try, didn't really work. But, um, so Queer for Fear kind of talks about, like, certain types of archetypes of horror characters and also certain specific movies and things like that, certain directors that are kind of bringing that queer representation to the forefront of horror. Um, really looking forward to watching that one. Haven't, haven't started watching it. We're going to take that to... Um, there's a couple episodes that have been released... Episodes 3 and 4 are yet to be released, but episodes 1 and 2 should be available to watch now. So, let's go out and check those out. Next, we have uh, American Horror Story, which I, I kind of briefly mentioned earlier, but um, when did American Horror Story start? Um, when it first came out, I was I was so into it. it it's, it's such a cool show. And I really like the idea that they kind of um, make the different series, the different, um, every time they uh, decided to kind of change it and then completely redo the concept of the show by placing it in a different time with different characters and a different uh, sort of approach to the horror aspect. Um, so American Horror Story first came out in 2011. Uh, it's got 10 seasons. It was created by the co-creators of Glee. And it does have a lot of reoccurring um, actors, but they don't play the same roles. So the, if they have returning characters, they'll generally be playing completely different people. 
from their previous uh, character iterations on the show, which is kind of cool. Uh, so you see people like Evan Peters, um, Jessica Lang, Sarah Paulson coming back to do the show, and um, but you see them in different, playing different people. So uh, when it first came out, and I'm sorry, the, the show is created by Brad, um, Ryan Murphy and uh, there's another person involved in it, Brad Falchuk. Brian Murphy and Brad Falchuk. So the first episode date was in October of 2011. And let me see all the different ones that have come out since then. And I think, I think for the most part I've watched all of them, except for these few recent ones that um, are coming out. The first American Horror Story centered around a family who basically moved into, like, kind of a haunted uh, house, like, kind of Amityville horror sort of scenario. Like, the house has, like, evil spirits in it and uh, slowly starts to, like, fuck with the family and everything. Um, So, Murder House uh, is basically, like, uh, the quintessential season of the show like that really set off a lot of the recurring characters Jessica Lang and um uh Evan Peters I want to say his name is which I'm gonna talk about yeah Evan Peters everyone who's fucking like thirsty for Evan Peters is gonna fucking come for me now sorry I stalled on his name I know you all want to fucking jump on his dick I get it uh, Jessica Lang won two Emmy Awards, a Golden Globe Award, and a Screen Actors Guild Award for her performances on American Horror Story, by the way. Jessica Lang, sensational actress, also shares the last name of my mom's side of the family, uh, so I'm just going to assume that we're related, um, <laughs> even though we're probably not. Um, so, let's go through all of the different uh seasons so as i said before we have murder house we have american horror Horror story asylum which is about a mental institution run by uh catholic nuns and priests that turns out to be like super sus uh we have american horror story coven which focuses on um the supreme witch uh getting together a group of witches for her coven uh american horror story freak show which is about a circus freak show uh, American St- Horror Story Hotel, which famously features Lady Gaga. Uh, American Horror Story Roanoke, which if you don't know about the whole Roanoke um, disappearance, uh, look into that. American Horror Story Cult. American Horror Story Apocalypse. Um, a l- hitting a little too close to home these days. Um, American Horror Story 1984. And American Horror Story Double Feature. So... That brings us up to speed. Um, there is apparently going to be, uh, I, as far as I heard, I think there's going to be some kind of American Horror Story movie. Um, and uh, American Horror Story New York City is going to be released uh, as of October. It's, it's in a couple of drops in like a few days. So that one's coming out. That's going to be the most recent one, October 19th. And so, uh, that will be the most recent version. Because apparently there's some super creepy, spooky stuff going on in New York City that we need to talk about. And... 
basically the premise. Um, oh, Zachary Quinto's coming back too. <gasps> oh, that's exciting. And um, anything else that uh, Billy Lord is returning. Charlie Carver is joining the cast. And um, future seasons. Uh, yeah. Oh, a companion and spinoff series. So there's also a show called American Crime Story that aired in October 7th, 2014. Um, and features uh, cast uh, previous cast members. And each season will focus on a true crime story. So because um, true crime is such a huge thing these days, I uh, highly recommend you check that out. And, oh, sorry, it was, sorry, it wasn't a movie that I was thinking of. I was thinking of the, um, I was thinking of the spinoff show that they did, which was called American Horror Stories. It's a self-contained, sim similar to Cabinet of Curiosity, it's kind of like a self-contained anthology, uh, series for American Horror Story that, like, features, like, a few different episodes within, like, a contained miniseries sort of format, uh, and also brings back some American Horror Story alumni from previous uh, episodes and previous series. And um, the last installment of the episodes for that premiered in July of this year. So um, I love American Horror Story because it's just like, it it really takes it to the next level. Like it's really going for the, the super disturbing, super creepy, gory, um, psychologically fucked up shit um and infusing into the show elements of real life and real lore and mythology and uh historical events relating to to true crime to witches to like the the you know Salem witch trials um to certain hotels and buildings that have come up in horror popular culture that you know, are, have claimed to be haunted or have some kind of bad energy, uh, some kind of maybe like a demonic presence going on. Um, the show really does its research in terms of what it borrows from, from culture, but also then adds its own like um, theatrical TV and movie spin on it. So um, I remember getting back into American Horror Story back with Murder House, and I've kind of been, for the most part, uh, staying on top of the series, so it's one that I really enjoy, and um, I highly recommend, um, just because of just the, the way that it, it's, it was, it's been able to evolve, and like keep coming up with like new exciting things for the viewers, but also to still pull from the original horror tradition, and stay true to that has been very, very um, well executed. So definitely American Horror Story is on my list. Uh, should be on yours too. And, uh, since we mentioned Evan Peters, I'm going to jump to, uh, the other show that just came out that, uh, yeah, so I think that might be the last one that I mentioned. There's a few other ones that I'm going to give honorable mentions to, but since we're kind of, again, getting a little short for time, I'm just going to see where we're at here. I'm holding my holding on to my titties because I'm a little worried about torture malfunction, guys. Uh, yeah, we've got about half an hour, 45 minutes left, I think, and then we can kind of wrap it up. 
I'll I'll give myself that window of time. So uh, the last, uh, obviously, if you haven't heard about this coming out, you must be just completely against uh, any streaming services or any kind of TV watching. Um, it, I mean, obviously, maybe you have other reasons for not being into it. So, um, obviously, Evan Peters is now being featured in... Oh, what's interesting, too, is that... Um, I didn't know this until I just looked this up. There's, there's two different... There's two different Dahmer... Two different Dahmers. So, there was actually a Dahmer film, Jeffrey Dahmer film, that came out this summer... It's saying here. Oh, sorry, not this summer. Sorry, in 2002, not 2022. This was back in 2002. There was actually a Dahmer movie uh, starring Jer Jeremy Renner, which I didn't know about. So, um, if you look up Dahmer, that might be what you find. So just make sure when you look for it, you look up Dahmer 2022 or Dahmer Netflix. Uh, to get the actual proper result if you're looking for some information on it. So the the official title of the Netflix series is called um, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer Story. And it is uh, one season, limited run, I guess so. I guess sort of like a, a biopic, like miniseries sort of format. And... Obviously, Jeffrey Dahmer is one of the most notorious serial killers that's known from the United States. And the the series tries to position what happened uh, from the point of view of a lot of the victims, as well as from the perspective of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, Niecy Nash is very famously now featured in several clips from the new Dahmer series, um, as Glenda, uh, Dahmer's neighbor, and somebody who, uh, like a lot of his victims, were, was not listened to when they attempted to uh, look into his behavior. Uh, and by the time he was apprehended and a lot of things were fi found out, it was way too late. And unfortunately, her, her concerns did not get addressed. Uh, and they do, they do focus on that in the movie because... Um, there's a lot that gets discussed in terms of uh, why so many serial killers were allowed to get away with what they did back in the day, especially when there was no real like forensic consistency or accuracy going on in policing. Uh, in addition to that, uh, as we all know, police can generally be pretty fucking incompetent and uh, they're there's huge biases towards who gets helped in terms of policing, uh, especially back then when it came to uh, marginalized communities like non-white people and uh, the queer community. So uh, there were communities that Jeffrey Dahmer preyed on and um, found safety in the fact that he was a relatively good-looking white guy who didn't really bring up a lot of red flags for people people who saw somebody like Dahmer and said, oh, well, he looks just like us. Or he doesn't seem like the type of person who would cause any trouble. Or or we can't, or even if we had our suspicions, we aren't going to do anything until we have actual proof that 
someone's been been hurt or killed. So they're not going to actually pursue any sort of investigation until somebody, until it's too late, until at least one person has been taken out. So they go over that in the series. Um, I just started watching part of it. Um, it it's, not, it's something that I'm kind of trying to get emotionally prepared to watch in full. So um, I'm, I'm dipping my toe in slowly on that one. Um, not, not that I have, like, any sort of a real, like, traumatic reaction or, like, um, aversion to watching the Dahmer, um, series, but I just feel like it's gonna be a lot emotionally. And because of the social approach that they're taking to it and addressing the huge errors that were made by police and, uh, investigators regarding this matter and just, like, the blatant bigotry the the racism and the homophobia that contributed to this this uh, terrible person not being apprehended sooner. Um, I'm already anticipating that I'm going to get pretty fucking mad while watching it, so I'm kind of just trying to prepare myself for that and uh, watch it when I'm in the proper headspace and preferably not by myself. So because um, I, I I'll just creep myself out. <coughs> so. Uh, prepare for, um, or prepare for, you know, some emotional labor if you do plan on watching it. And, um, yeah, anybody who's thirsty for Ryan Murphy, sorry, for roll anything, Ryan Murphy is also involved in this, uh, so going, again, a perfect little segue into if you're thirsty for American Horror Story, is the same guy is doing Dahmer and using a very prominent recurring actor from American Horror Story, Evan Peters, who a lot of people also have much thirst for. So that's a good little connection there. So, you know, maybe you can start it off with some American Horror Story, finish it off with some Dahmer, you know, get all your little, little creepy ducks in a row there. And, um, Molly Ringwald is also in the uh, the new Dahmer series, um, so that's a kind of a cool little thing. She kind of is like popping up in uh, in different things here and there, which I love. Um, as you may remember her from, uh, you know, stuff like The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, all those movies from back in the day. Uh, I believe she was in. She wasn't in a scary movie, but she was in she was in one of those movies. Um what was it called? Not another teen movie. That was her, that was the one. And um so basically now she is appearing in the the monster the Jeffrey Dahmer story and um based on the fact that I I guess like a lot of it happened um, in the time when, like, those movies came out, it's kind of, like, weird, uh, to kind of think about, like, being in all of those movies, and then, like, Dahmer was doing his thing throughout all of it. Uh, so Sherry Dahmer is, um, Jeffrey Dahmer's, um, stepmother that she plays in the movie. Um, from what, from what you may have heard about, um, Dahmer's upbringing, uh, not the greatest, uh, parental guidance. So, 
So, um, I, and I, I, I haven't watched past like the first like few minutes of the first step, the first uh, episode. So, um, and I'm not going to give out any more spoilers and everything here, but, um, definitely on the true crime watch list, uh, sort of like a horror adjacent. So not, not a, not a specifically Halloween or horror movie, but the, in the true crime sort of, uh, lane. And, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be doing an episode on true crime at the end of the month, which, uh, we'll talk more about Dahmer, uh, in depth and, um, the new series that just came out. And uh, some other honorable mentions on the list here. We have uh, Los Espookies, which just came up on my list of things to watch. Um, that one, I believe, is on Crave slash HBO. Um, there are two seasons, and it is in Spanish with English subtitles. So it is a show in Spanish. Um, and it follows Renaldo, who is a horror and gore enthusiast. Uh, he basically um, starts to um, bring in different friends of his to his business. Um, and uh, they kind of become the group Los Espookies. And uh, Fred Armisen is also in the show recurring guest star Fred Armisen, who is Ronaldo's uh, uncle. And uh, honestly, um, I've only seen some clips of it. It's kind of more of a um, comedy horror sort of thing. So not a super scary show. Uh, it's it's more of a, of a comedy show with elements of um, horror film and uh, horror references in it. So... Uh, Generally, it like it's it's sort of the idea is um, the group wants to recreate horror film like situations and then kind of like trick people into thinking that they actually happened is sort of the the general um, idea of the show and the general idea of, of what their job is. So they're basically it's like a group of friends trying to turn their love of horror stuff and of like, creepy stuff into a business venture and into, like, something uh, significant for them as, like a, as their identity, I suppose. Um, the reception so far has been really good. Um, it's got a uh, 100% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, igualmente, hilarante y horripilante. <laughs> Equal parts hilarious and, and horror, horrifying. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, and uh, so far there are two seasons, uh, so you have lots of stuff to check up on and catch up on. It's a nice little short binge, nothing too crazy. And um, it premiered in uh, 2019. And the second season just dropped on September 16th. So it, ju it dropped pretty recently. Uh, so check out Los Espookies if you're looking for something that's horror, comedy, and something that's not necessarily in English. Um, it's kind of cool. And uh, because I love the Food Network, I had to throw on here uh, all of the Halloween stuff that goes on on the Food Network. I would feel weird if I didn't. Um, every year around this time, it seems, they have, you know... Um, 
you know, again, if you're looking into binge watching, especially, you've got your Halloween Cake Wars, your Halloween Big Bake Championships on Food Network. So if you're looking for just some, you know, empty viewing, just some like kind of mindless something to put on in the background, or if you want to, if you're really into food shows and competition shows, um, I highly recommend you check out Food Network because basically all their programming from now until ha until October 31st is going to be Halloween related in some way. Um, if you check out online, you can kind of just find a general lineup for what they're offering. Um, they're also collabing with Discovery Plus. Um, so Food Network, Travel Channel, and Discovery Plus are now all three of the same company, it sounds like. So they're running what's called the Ghost-tober event, uh, including new and returning shows on all three of those networks. And, um, that includes, like I said, the Halloween Baking Championship, Halloween Wars, uh, Outrageous Pumpkins, which is like a crazy pumpkin carving challenge, the Halloween Cookie Challenge, uh, there's a kids one, kids baking, trick or eat, uh, among other things. So as, as a foodie and somebody who loves Halloween, I'm about it. So check out the Food Network, check out Travel Channel and Discovery Plus for some of those options as well. And, um, oh, here's the last one. Interview with the Vampire. So, uh, as I mentioned before, vampires, a very staple fixture of Halloween and the horror movie genre. Um, one of the first, I guess, sort of like non, non-human monster entities to be featured in horror was the vampire. Um, kind of like a mix between like a, a human and sort of like an undead entity. Um, and as I mentioned before, there's been the, the successful Anne Rice book series, uh, the Interview with the Vampire movie that came out with Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and Kirsten Dunst, um, and all the other iterations of vampire movies that have kind of come before and, and since then. So, uh, Interview with the Vampire is now a TV series, and it is on Amazon and, uh, AMC, as far as I can see here. So, um, Interview with the Vampire is also getting pretty good reviews, 87%-ish, and it is based on, again, the vampire Louis de Pointe du Lac, uh, but in the year 2022. And he's basically trying to find a journalist-author-type person to record his life, like, sort of, uh, for, for, like, memoir style for like a journalist coming in or an author sort of coming in to record his life for posterity. And um, it definitely focuses on the queer aspect that was only very heavily alluded to in the previous interview with the vampire movie and uh, other iterations of the, of the franchise uh, between Louis and his uh, I, I now is being confirmed as lover and uh, partner in crime, Lestat de Leoncourt, and um, including uh, Claudia, who was played by Kirsten Dunst in the original movie. Um, it's set in a few different places, um, starting in New Orleans and finishing, uh, sort of, or starting and finishing in Dubai. 
and uh, re revealing a lot of different things about the uh, canon of Interview with the Vampire, introducing some new ideas, revisiting some old ones, um, using the iconic novel as sort of the the original base, but kind of taking it to back and forth of... Um, back and forth to, like, the original time of the of the interview with the vampire coming out and now. Um, a little bit cringe. Uh, it's saying here, interview with the vampire TV series, uh, based on the 1976 novel of the same name. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, Eric Bogosian's playing the reporter who I love and, uh, lover and protege Louis de Pointe du Lac. Uh, they definitely call him out as being the lover. So there's no way of, of trying to go around that now. Um, and yeah, basically just kind of making it more of a contemporary and infusing a little bit more of the sex that we were missing from the previous iterations of Interview with the Vampire. And, uh, promises to be very bloody, very gory. Um, apparently there is also a plantation story that we're going to talk about that nobody really wanted to hear about now. Um, yeah, because in, in the original novel and 1994 film, Louis is the owner of a plantation in the antebellum South. Um, not only do they gloss over a lot of the slavery references, um, but as I mentioned also, the homosexual elements of the novel are almost invisible in the film adaptation. So we are taking that back in the new TV series. Um, there's a character who plays a closeted... Creole man, um, who is rich because of, uh, uh, brothels that they own in, uh, the red light district of New Orleans. And, um, so now we're taking the, of course, because in a lot of recent TV shows and movies, we are talking about a lot of, and as I mentioned, um, on the previous episode that I did about representation, um, Many filmmakers and directors and producers are now taking uh, new and previously existing franchises and addressing a lot of the intersectionality and the cultural diversity and the problematic elements of the previous versions of things that nobody talked about back in the day and nobody saw as an issue. So uh, very interested to see where they go with that. Um, I'm really excited for that. And, um, I put it as an honorable mention, um, only because they were like these other ones that I felt like they were so much bigger to talk about, but Interview of the Vampire is a pretty big franchise. So I, I didn't want to do this episode without including it. And, um, yeah, again, haven't, haven't checked it out yet, but I'm really interested to see where they're going to go with, uh, investigating some of these, problematic and um, long-standing social issues and uh, conversations that did not get talked about in the earlier movies. Um, as we'll talk about throughout the subsequent episodes, a lot of horror has been whitewashed and straightwashed. So um, we, we miss out on a lot of the, the stories and the backgrounds of um, a lot of different groups um, that don't get included. Um, horror has tended to be quite sexist as well. And, um, so, and so with, with a lot of movies like, uh, 
that I'm going to, I'm going to mention in a different episode as well. Um, a lot of movies like Nope, uh, Get Out, uh, which I didn't really mention because they came out a little bit before the cutoff of this episode. Um, but, uh, I, I definitely want to mention them just now in terms of, uh, examples of movies that are addressing these sort of things. So that can play into the horror genre and the horror movie franchise requirements, but also are creating these movies and TV shows for a whole new generation of people and for a lot of groups of people who did not have horror movies made for them. And so they're seeing themselves in horror movies as like the filler, as the victims, uh, or uh, the villains, or not even represented at all. Um, so that's a sort of, or, or, or like parts of people's history of, of like non-white and non-straight people's history are just kind of used as like this throwaway, um, plot, uh, these little throwaway plot points, but it's like, for example, in the interview with the vampire thing, it's like, we're just, we're just not going to talk about the fact that he owns fucking plantation. We're just, we're just not going to, we're not going to go there. Um, vampires are racist, I guess, apparently. <laughs> so... Uh, yep, even though you're undead, you can still be racist. And, uh, we talk about those things now because it's important. And, um, both for the case of historical accuracy, but also because representation is key and has been denied for so long from so many people. So definitely checking out Interview with the Vampire series. Um, and so to wrap up some of the, um... I, I have to give these honorable mentions because they're things that I watch every year at Halloween. So even though they're not new things, I'm going to include them in the honorable mentions as things that came out a while ago, but I still consider to be quintessential Halloween and spooky season viewing. So uh, obviously Scared Shrekless um, is on the list. Um, any any opportunity that I have to put Shrek into uh, your seasonal viewing, it's going to happen. So, excuse me. So Scared Shrekless is definitely on there. Um, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror goes without saying. That's a definite binge watch for the for the spooky holiday season. Uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Obviously. Um, you have to watch it at least once during the Halloween season. You have to watch it while you're dressed up. Um, you need to memorize the back and forth... Um, pantomime banter that you're supposed to yell at the screen and try and, and involve as many of your crazy friends as possible in the viewing party. So it's also something that's fun to watch on your own, but it's, it's really a community group, group effort, honestly, for Rocky Horror Picture Show. But, um, that's, that's kind of, I can't leave that off the list. Um, I also just found out that apparently Tim Curry, uh, recently had a stroke and is in a wheelchair and like not not doing so great. So thoughts and prayers to Tim Curry. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, you check out Rocky for a Picture Show if you haven't already. It's a it's a pretty well known movie, but also at the same time still kind of a cult classic that not a lot of people really know about. Um, if after having watched it, um, I don't know at least fifty times, I want to say. Um, it's not the greatest movie. It's actually pretty bad, but it's one of those like so bad it's good type of things. Um, and one of one of those ideas, movies that, like as a concept that you kind of just have to be into 
or else you're just you're, you're either into it or you're not. Um, and uh, speaking of queer representation in horror, um, there's definitely a big um, kudos to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Perhaps not exactly in the most progressive way, looking back, but it was still one of the first movies to provide some sort of non-straight representation for a character uh, and provide sort of a more, a slightly more three-dimensional approach to a um, a queer, sort of non-binary, androgynous, trans kind of everything at the same time together and still making them a sex icon and still making them like a powerful person. Um, but, but Rocky Horror certainly is not without its, its, uh, problematic elements. So, but, uh, at the end of the day, I would say it's, it's quintessential Halloween viewing, quintessential scary viewing. Um, it's not, it's, uh, in terms of it, I would say it's, I guess, horror adjacent because it's sort of supposed to be a, a satirical parody of, of horror movies, um, as well, um, as like, um, riffing on, if you like pop culture uh, references, it's, it riffs on a lot of old school Hollywood um, references in terms of like uh, cinematic styles, in terms of directing, in terms of, um, you know, uh, how they set up scenes and things like that. They reference a lot of that. Um, and it's a musical, so if you're not into musicals, um, maybe stay away from it. But if you are into musicals, it is absolutely amazing, especially because as a musical, it is extremely interactive for the audience. So um, if you are seeing it, uh, I would highly recommend you go see it at a theater. Either go see it at the movie theater or go see a live version. Um, That's really the best way to see it. Um, But you obviously can pretty much find the movie anywhere now um, and buy or rent it and check it out. So that is concluding our tv and uh and and my personal picks for uh spooky season now um again i'll take another quick little break here just to talk about um since we have it looks like about 10 or 15 minutes left and then i'll try and wrap it up but again just a reminder since we are having guests on in a couple weeks and since uh things are kind of staying on an even keel with the podcast which i'm really happy about um, always open to inviting on guest hosts and co-hosts, so please let me know if you're interested. Um, I'm always open to accepting ideas for topics to do on the podcast, and I'm also, uh, ready at any time to, uh, you know, do your shameless plugs. So if you have anything you're working on, if you have a band, if you have, uh, um, any kind of a project you're working on in film or TV, if you have a product or service that you'd like me to mention on the show, um, I gave myself a rule that I wasn't going to start looking into sponsorship stuff until November and December when the holiday season, like for um, like the actual gift giving sort of holiday season starts. So, uh, and also because I just started it, I didn't want to like make the focus of this podcast monetary. Um, so I wanted to kind of focus on getting some content out first before I start looking into like sponsorship sort of stuff. Um, but I obviously want to give, uh, priority to people I know. And, um, I'm offering this completely free right now. Uh, especially if I know you, I'm not going to 
obviously. Like, if you want to tell me about something you have going on, and you want me to talk about it on the podcast, or give you a little bit of a, an ad in the middle of the show or something, please let me know, and I will be more than happy to do that for you. Honestly, it's not even a big deal. So, having said that, uh, let's wrap up with a few different um, movie and video game options. Now, um, when you think about kind of like spooky music, um, you're pretty much going to gravitate towards goth. Um, And I feel like in the last few episodes, I haven't really focused a ton on music. Um, There are different episodes that I want to do. I have some ideas for focusing on on just music-based episodes. Um, A lot of what I've been talking about has been film and television. But I think that music is also super important as well. Um, Because so many of these film and television... um, franchises and and series and stuff the soundtrack is so key to uh you know getting yourself into the the full experience of the movie or the show so to not address music um would be kind of uh you know not responsible but it's also it's it's hard to sort of say if there's like actually spooky music coming out around this time because um nothing like I don't know, like, super recent has come out that you would con- could consider was specifically, like, a scary genre. So if you're looking for things like that, I would probably suggest searching by genre. So if you search, like, goth, if you search, like, industrial, or if you just search Halloween, you're probably going to find kind of what you're looking for in terms of, like, more of a, uh, you know, the sinister, creepy sort of aesthetic that you're kind of going towards. Um, Yeah, like, metal could also be kind of, like, put into there. Uh, And also there's different genres that are coming out now called dark wave, post-punk, things like that, which would fall into that. Um, So... There's a lot of things in terms of uh, personal preference as well that's gonna uh, that's gonna influence a lot of people's musical choices, um, and I just find that sometimes film and television lends itself more to the conversation regarding um, pop culture than music does because uh, it's just like a, a kind of a slightly different approach to things. But um, I'm kind of getting into sort of the dark wave sort of stuff. So, um, I, I would highly suggest to kind of check that out. So it's kind of like a mix between goth and like synth sort of thing. Um, there's also a sort of sub one called cold wave, dark cold wave that has been coming out in recent years. Um, and uh, a lot of it kind of, um, riffs on like the original eighties goth sound. Um, so in terms of, uh, albums and stuff like that, um, that's sort of the genre that I would say to kind of, to stay within. So Dark Wave's a really good one. Um, so not, not, not traditionally goth, but, um, sort of a bit more modern. So... If you're looking to uh, Google some different uh, 
artists that are considered, you know, dark wave, goth, goth synth or whatever. Um, Clan of Zymox is a really good one. Um, Dead Can Dance uh, is another sort of known one. Uh, Girls Under Glass. Um, Bella Morte. And uh, those are just some like examples. Um, if you want to do, obviously, some more, um, you know, classic sort of goth um, for, like, your quintessential listening, um, I personally prefer um, older school sort of goth rock. Um, so if you want to get into some of the older stuff, obviously Bauhaus... Uh, Sisters of Mercy, Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, Joy Division, um, who else am I forgetting? Those are like some of the, oh, The Cult of, um, those are some big ones. Um, Nick Cave, I guess, is sort of part of that. Um, but yeah, those are some ones that I would recommend for sure. And then um, if you want to go into sort of like punk, we've got like the the Cramps, the Misfits. Um, I honestly really like Depeche Mode and I kind of consider them as part of the, the creepy vibes. But only because only like their, their music sort of crosses over a tiny bit into that. But I only some of their songs I say would delve really into that genre. So I'm only really mentioning them because I personally like Depeche Mode. But... Um, some of the other examples are maybe a little bit better. Might suit your might sp suit your spooky soundtrack a little bit better. Um, uh, there are some other um, essential albums that uh, you know are considered goth or post punk. Um, that's the thing too with trying to kind of give examples of music for this episode because so many different genres exist that different. Um, different bands and different artists fall into that uh, some people might actually consider that to be falling into like a, a, a creepy horror based music genre and some people might not. So it's, it's kind of hard to say sometimes uh, and it's based on, I guess, like personal um, subjectivity, right? But uh, generally, um, you know, we've got other bands like the birthday party, modern English, which would be like kind of using um or like the Cocteau twins kind of using like elements of those things but um not necessarily being full goth so um that's why it's kind of hard to say sometimes but they still have the the same kind of sound um if you look into modern sort of ideas, um, you're pretty much going to be looking at, as I, as I said, dark wave. So, um, <coughs> excuse me, we've got some cool options. Um, I, I really am gravitating more towards these ones because I like that 80s sound and I really like, kind of like that kind of distressed, sort of distorted, synthy, sort of idea in the music. I think that really lends itself to the, to, to give it sort of like a vintage feel as well as make it keep, keep spooky. 
So we've got uh, Twin Tribes, um, Kill Shelter, um, as a couple bands that I've been given as options. Um, I don't know if you guys remember him from back in the day. I feel like they, I, I don't know if they got cancelled though. I'm going to just double check before I give that as like an official, um, an official option. They're, they're a Finnish uh, rock group. There's a lot of really good metal as well. And I don't see anything about them being cancelled, so I guess they're good. Yeah, so again, metal is also a really good um, option for uh, if you're looking for like more hardcore dark spooky music. So um, in terms of, um, so sorry about that, not sure again, not sure what happened there, but um, as I mentioned in a couple episodes ago, Disaster, Disaster Tavern, I should have named it. Um, but thankfully I was almost done, so that is good. Uh, so we'll, I guess this will be the separate video for uh, the video games. We, we won't take too long on that, but the reason I wanted to mention video games, uh, because um, I really like checking out new and exciting games from time to time. And there's so many good, scary video games that have come out in the last few years. Um, nothing that's like super um, recent. But, um, definitely a few that I want to mention, because, um, I think in the last little while, scary video games have become, uh, pretty popular. Um, I did not want to do this as a YouTube video, not sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's because of, like, Mercury in the, in microbraids or whatever is happening lately, but both my phone and my computer have been experiencing a lot of weird technical difficulties lately, and I don't know why. So, um, I honestly, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to just try to take it in stride. Like, I don't have anyone else that's really helping me record or edit any of these right now. Um, so, and it's really something that I'm just kind of doing for fun. So I'm trying not to stress out about it too much, but it is a little annoying. Um, only because in terms of like the quality that I'm putting out to other people, I don't want that to get affected and have other people get annoyed or not enjoy listening to the podcast because, of technical problems, um, or editing, uh, issues and inconsistencies. So, um, as I mentioned, this is always a work in progress. Um, these are things that I'm aware of. So, um, it's not something I'm, it's not something I'm gonna say I'm not gonna fix, but it's also like, just, uh, just something to watch out for. Um, and I'm, I'm going to try and do my best to kind of uh, work on, um, finding some alternative services and, uh, things like that, possibly some assistance in terms of uh, recording and editing for the future so that these things stop happening. Um, it's interesting because last week, uh, when I did talk to customer support for the service that I use, um, they gave me some, some different things to try in terms of, uh, preventing recording issues for the future, which I feel like I've done this time around, but it's still something happened and, and it stopped the recording and I had to refresh. And then when I refreshed, it kicked me out of the recording studio and I had to go back in and record the second sort of follow-up video. 
So, sorry guys. Not my fault. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. And, uh, I, I hope that you can all kind of bear with me as we work through this. So, um, there are a lot of, um, really cool video games that kind of give this the spooky, scary feel. Um, there's a few that have come out in, like, the last little while that I have tried out, um, notably Hades, uh, and Cult of the Lamb, which I mentioned in the first episode, um, as creepy video games that I have sort of gravitated towards. Um... There are other really good ones here. For example, P.T., Five Nights at Freddy's, um, uh, Resident Evil franchise, uh, Dead Space, um, Silent Hill also had some movie, some video games that came out uh, around that time. Um, there was another one that I'm not seeing on this list. Um, Darkwood, Fall, some of the Fallout games also have a lot of, um, really creepy stuff that they incorporate into there. Fallout 3, in, in particular, they've put on this list as one of the scarier ones. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name of this video game right now. I'm gonna look it up. Little Nightmares, that's what it's called. Um, so there's a couple, I, th I believe there's two now of this. Yeah, there's Little Nightmares, Little Nightmares 2, sorry, there's three, and Very Little Nightmares. And what is, what the shit is happening? Need a new phone. Um, guess I'm gonna be looking into that, because uh, I'm not sure what's happening with my phone right now. Um, so Little Nightmares, here we go. It's, um... It's like a puzzle-solving game as well as a, um, a traditional video game format. Um, this is one of the the creepier, scarier games that came out recently. Um, the, the prequel, Little Nightmares 2, is actually a prequel, not a sequel. It was released in 2021, so that one's fairly recent. Um, it follows the journeys of Six, who is a hungry girl escaping... The Maw, which is an iron vessel inhabited by monstrous, twisted beings. So, um, basically, like, a lot of the game involves sneaking around various, uh, baddies, um, rather than, like, outright fighting them. It involves kind of, like, being very stealthy and solving puzzles in order to progress through the game. Uh, and adding to it, like, a lot of really creepy sort of characters and, uh, all, the whole time that you play the game, you're caught in this, like, like kind of heart-stopping suspense, um, so that uh, it really adds to, like, the, uh, the, the real horror feel of the game. Um, yeah, like, the atmosphere, the audio design, um, it's basically, like, a, a horror game. The imagery is, like, very disturbing, uh, but it's also just a really good quality video game as well. So that's one that I, I wanted to mention um, as well. And uh, there are all there are other video games that kind of like play on, you know, the horror themes and things like that. But those are just a few that I, I wanted to mention because um, I think that it's uh, 
it's not for everybody. I think a lot of people already have a lot of anxiety playing video games, so adding a, a scary element in may not be everybody's cup of tea, but, um, you know, it's, uh, some people, they want to have that added, you know, sort of, uh, um, emotional state when they're playing. So I feel as though if that, that's kind of, you, you are a horror enthusiast and you're a gamer, why not, you know, blend the two together? Can't go wrong with that. And, um, I personally... The, uh, I actually just downloaded uh, Return to Monkey Island. Um, I don't know if you guys remember those PC games from back in the day. Um, not really a scary a scary video game, but um, I, I'm just going to throw it in here just because it's something new that I'm playing, and uh, I know there are some of you out there that remember this game. Uh, and uh, I feel like it's kind of like a weird fever dream. And it's like one of the one of the memories that I have of like going to my dad's house and visiting my dad is playing this game. So I decided to download it. I haven't even actually started playing it. I, I, I just remembered as I was talking that I downloaded it and then forgot about it yesterday. So I guess that's what I'm doing tonight. It's playing Return to Monkey Island. Super exciting. Um, was there anything else? pop culture, spooky stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, I think that most of the other stuff that I'm going to talk about is either going to be in a subsequent episode or anything that I didn't address in this episode came up too early for me to really include it in the more recent stuff that's come out for Halloween 2022, or it just was not like on the radar enough for me to consider it for this episode. Um, but if you guys want to uh, talk about um, me to talk about anything that I may have missed from this episode, please let me know uh, when you see the show. Like, you can message me, leave comments, and let me know if there's anything else you want me to mention next time. Um, I want to add also some uh, follow-ups to last episode uh, for um, Indigenous representation before we wrap up for this evening. Um, I definitely want to um, apologize for any mispronunciations of words that I did in the last episode, because I know there were a couple. Um, when I re-watched and listened to the clips, um, I'm pretty sure I did not pronounce Miko correctly when I was talking about Mose and Miko from Reservation Dogs. Um, and I realized now that that was because I, when I was reading the article that I was referencing to, they spelled it with two Ks instead of two Es. And I think in my brain, I just pronounced it the way I read it and like did not correct myself in the moment so um did not mean to do that and I'm really sorry so uh just putting that out there now um <coughs> also there was another artist that had a new album that came out recently that I wanted to mention in the last podcast and for some reason was not on my list and I don't know why so um uh, for those of you who are into Canadian music, um, I wanted to bring up Alicia Brilla um, because they just released uh, a new album. Um, they have, uh, they're a Juno-nominated artist, um, very well-traveled um, singer-songwriter and musician, um, and they are local. They were um, born in Mississauga, raised in Brampton, and... Um, I got into their albums uh, a few years ago 
um, through a friend of mine and, um, because I'm really into yoga, it was like a really good soundtrack for like my yoga practice and things like that. Um, just really like good positive messages and stuff, great musicianship and singing and like the production value and everything like that. Um, so Circle is the recent album that has been put out by Alicia Brilla. Um, she was, they were, she, they, I'm not exactly sure of their pronouns. I'm again, so I'm, I, I'm trying to be on the play on the safe side for most people if I'm not like completely sure of what they use and just say they, in case you guys have not been noticing, but, um, just to, you know, make sure that I don't, uh, mispronoun people. And so, um, they have a background of both, um, uh, South Asian, African, indigenous, uh, descent. So, um, I wanted to include them in my conversation from before and, uh, kind of speak to them as a creator, um, similar to Taika Watiti, who I mentioned in the previous, um, episode, who, um, is a mixed race, uh, indigenous person. So, um, I think that, like, um, in terms of, um, this sort of, uh, thing, it's, it's speaking more to, like, um, not so much their, uh, their background specifically, uh, as being, like, completely indigenous, but, um, more so that, like, their, uh, their African and South Asian roots as indigenous more than North American, and, um, also speaking to the fact that, um, Alicia Brilla is a huge ally, uh, for the indigenous community, um, and, uh, talking about, um, you know, the, the blending of, um, indigenous tradition with science and um, they have a lot of good recommendations for um, uh, you know finding those uh, connections in different communities because I feel like um, Alicia Brilla's music is so um, is, is, is like very universal and, and sort of um, could be considered family friendly I suppose um, but also talks about a lot of social and political issues. Um, I think that it's it's uh, important to include them in the conversation, uh, both as a local artist and both as somebody with a, a background of um, uh, non not specifically uh, North American Indigenous, specifically, um, and uh, also to talk to um, somebody who also is, um, working for the Indigenous community. So, interestingly enough, again, another person that I really relate to in terms of having different cultural backgrounds, um, similar to Taika, since, um, growing up as somebody who is mixed race, um, and having a lot of different, um, you know, cultural references and, and things that I draw from in my family, um, also, um, not, you know, North American indigenous, but, um, in terms of certain people in my background, like, you know, taking time to learn about 
the, um, you know, the different backgrounds of my family and kind of where those were positive and negative and also kind of how to, um, how to put that all together, like how to piece all the puzzle, how to piece the puzzle together, I suppose. Um, so Circle, again, it's, it's, um, an album with messages of personal and global healing, music to uplift the soul. Um, I just, I wanted to mention it because, um, I really like them as an artist and, um, just to, just to offer, um, the, uh, the background for them as a, as an artist, but also, um, their, um, their commitment to supporting the Indigenous community that they might not even be part of. Um, because I think that what's so important lately is, um, when people are, when people are, um, supporting each other, um, because, you know, like, they're growing up in, Alicia Brilla growing up in a mixed-race household with, um, different religious elements, different, um, racial and ethnic backgrounds, um, and some of that being considered in, in certain backgrounds they have as being Indigenous to different countries, not, and not Canada and the U.S., but also, um, talking about, um, uh, as well in a recent article, um, a short film that they were involved in with supporting Indigenous students. Um, now this article was from, I'm trying to find the, this was from 2016, so this was from a few years ago. Um, but this is sort of the general idea of what I'm, I'm mentioning here. So, um, this is really not anything to do with anything spooky, scary, creepy, or horror, or horror adjacent. I just wanted to add that on to this video because I feel really stupid for not mentioning her in the last, uh, episode, but I mean, we kind of went over time. So, uh, I wanted to kind of put that out there. Um, Circle is out now. You may have seen some, uh, ads for it. Um, they, they had a whole bunch up, um, in Young Dundas Square recently for the uh, album launch. So um, I would highly recommend to check that out. Um, and the film that they were involved in is called Supporting Indigenous Students. Again, um, this was during a time when Alicia Brillo was visiting different schools, uh, mainly in BC, and um, talking about, um, you know, the discourse of, um, you know, Indigenous empowerment and social justice and things like that. But, um, you know, bridging the gap with somebody who, you know, people actually coming to the communities and having these conversations and, and discussions and, um, you know, coming to terms with things that have happened in the past and how to make a better future. So, um, just as a, as an artist who is very like uplifting and positive, but manages to include those elements of sociopolitical, um, you know, those charged, heated, you know, sort of discussions that we might not want to have, but that are so important and so vital to changing the face of uh, our culture in terms of, you know, including everybody and, and giving everyone a voice. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I would be remiss if I did not mention this. And uh, um, I want to do some more representation episodes coming up in future um, episodes, I, I definitely want to do, um, an episode, uh, 
on like various different groups that I don't feel are represented enough in pop culture and uh and also just kind of address you know recent um things that are are coming up in terms of uh different artists um incorporating their identity and their um political leanings and sort of like the messages that they want to communicate to people in terms of providing you know positivity and and um constructive social change but but making it entertaining and and infusing it with you know, um, with artistry and, and stuff like that, but making it subversive. So this is kind of the goal of the podcast for me and kind of the goal of when I do art in general is there's, I, I would like there to always kind of be that subversive undercurrent there. So, um, if you didn't already realize that's kind of, kind of my bag, but, um, definitely want to have more of those, um, episodes in the future. So I believe if that, I believe that concludes this week's episode of the podcast. Um, I'll just, I'll just come, I'll come real close and and say hello and goodbye to everybody. Um, I'll kind of try and stand up, lean a little bit this time so it doesn't look like I'm just down here, like with no freaking clothes on, like Lady Godiva or something. So, um... Yeah, you're you're welcome for the costume, I guess. Um, uh, I kind of have already all of them planned, so uh, I hope that you will enjoy what's coming up in the future episodes. Um, now, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to go into my bed now, because um, even just doing this was extremely exhausting to me, um, and I and as usual, I procrastinated way too long to do it, so I'm ready to go hit the hay, put on some Sopranos, and pass out. Um, thanks again to everybody. Thank you for everybody who's been supporting, by the way, within the last month. Um, things are growing slowly but surely, and I'm hoping that as I kind of include more content that people will find enjoyable, more people will start listening and, and supporting the podcast project. So, uh, thank you again to everyone, like, all the old friends who have come up in the last couple weeks to lend their support and, um, want to appear on the show and, and speak to their love and passion of all things pop culture. Um, thank you to everyone who's, like, followed, shared, commented, subscribed to the podcast so far. I really appreciate that. And, um, I, only bigger and better things from here. And it's never going to be what you think. So get into it. And until next time, this is Marita, a.k.a. Chiquitita, as always, signing off for Fantasy Tavern. And I wish you all a uh, good evening. And until next week on Fantasy Tavern. Bye. (laughs) Bye.